Hello, welcome to another session of our Corona Committee, which is the 121th issue, and it's called Our Committee Goes Vienna. And it's really in held in Vienna because we have here a very interesting conference, and it's the first day. It's about media, and we're also going to talk about media now soon. And I have to admit, particularly Maria van Mock, who has been a leading figure here in the conference has done an excellent job. We have excellent people attending. We have listened to a number of very interesting contributions. So we've been traveling for the past two years inside and out. And now we're here physically speaking on the spot. And we have experienced and lived through quite a number of things. And we've been facing up to Question, having to question things which seem to be obvious, for example, things about the state of our democracy and our health system. And many people, such as me, did not know when we started that voyage more than two years ago. Well, since we are live on air here right now, so I've come here specifically. Usually I'm in front of or behind my very cool curtain. And for me, it's very nice to be here in person. I've come here to Vienna because we've had such an enormous number of very interesting people. And it's an enormously interesting subject, which is the subject of media. And what we see is that it's extremely important that people are well-informed so they can make well-informed decisions. And journalists who used to be in the past critical and used to be contemplators and used to see issues in different from different points of views and also find it very interesting to have contradictory views and that's very interesting and attracting spectators and that has always been attractive in for the media and for now what we see is that we hardly have any conflicts and any disputes any longer and it looks as if everybody does agree so this is a media issue that we try to re-encourage journalists to dare to have other voices being heard. And I think that's extremely important. And I'm looking forward very much to what is going to be the outcome of this conference and how journalists are going to gather together to have in the future, so to speak, a parallel media world. So we would have, again, this excellent competition again that is supposed to be in place. What we also see that the public broadcasters are more and more coming under pressure to justify their actions and their new platforms and agencies being set up, which try to challenge the power of other big agencies such as Reuters, which have this uh, ambition to be the monopolists on the market to question that. And we have with us, and I'm very happy to welcome him here. I mean, we're very well fitted color-wise to the table. We have uh, Reinhard Jesenik with us. He is a former collaborator of the public broadcast in Austria, ORF. And maybe you can, might describe your career to start with. I'm the last of uh, the old people. I started in 1983, and uh, for me, it was uh, working with hands when I started. And uh, there was a similar situation in Austria. In Austria, we had uh, two channels, in Germany, three. 
So it was quite difficult already to get a foot in the door. And uh, when I was 20 years old, I managed to do it. I was a trainee and, uh, and then uh, I quickly established myself and it was um, either you went into the technical or editorial side and the moderator was a person who could do it and uh, was the boss or and um, and myself i started in a youth uh, um, editorial and there were these classical training fields called okay we focused from uh, michael jackson to social topics but it was all about entertainment really before mtv and music channels and um, then I um, started in the afternoon programs. It's called Wurlitzer, um, one hour per day. There were music videos, as I said, from Michael Jackson to folk music. And you can't really imagine it as if you had one radio station covering the entire musical range. And uh, for, for one hour, you could always uh, find your favorite genre. And uh, in 95, I, I established myself at the uh, program called Welcome in Austria with Gerhard Seiler. And uh, today he is uh, the boss of Mona Holding, a bit like uh, CNN in Austria. And uh, he had the idea to uh, produce a breakfast telly in television in the evening. Austria has uh, 8 million inhabitants and we had uh, uh, 1 million viewers. And uh, I was 30 years, one of the two male moderators. And it was the way I established myself. Those who don't know me, uh, in 36, year, uh, 36 years, I was uh, for 20 years a moderator at ORF, 10,000 hours of live uh, programs. And uh, people um, older than 35 or 40 will know me also with my nickname. And, uh, and, uh, uh, it was entertainment, but we also had topic of the day. Welcome in Austria was a bit like the German um, Bild Zeitung newspaper. And uh, so we had a star guest and uh, it was quite high level, but uh, um, mainly focused on Vienna. And, uh, and I did this uh, until two years ago, but the program changed massively. There were several relaunches. I was uh, away for a while, but overall 36 years and 25 years I worked for ORF and all those developments from being a media flagship to nowadays I um, experienced it. And in November 2020, I was no longer the main moderator. And uh, I contributed, uh, and uh, and uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was branded a bit like a popular music star who now is uh, was asked to uh, uh, play with the Philharmonic Orchestra, and so the Corona story for me was. Uh, the icing on the cake, or it told me that it no longer was possible for me. 
And, uh, and for me, in, according to my experience, uh, we are only a symptom. Um, uh, we are, you know, um, advertising products really because of the extreme competition uh, from uh, ZDF, second, uh, the German television channel. So there is a lot of pressure where we were uh, monopolists uh, before and, uh, and also when it came to content, we um, had an approach that was covered financially and now in the last 20 years you can't really tell where it started but people started to really save money and extremely extreme cuts and due to the financing does it come from advertising or uh, ORF uh, I think they had uh, two years ago they had one million turnover and uh, one million euros and uh, you can read in the um, report online and uh, the big pie are the so-called fees, uh, the taxes, the, the forced fees because it's not voluntary, uh, the voluntary decision and, uh, and a lot of uh, classic advertising and other forms of advertising, meaning from, I think it's 623 million in fees and the 400 remaining 400 millions are classic uh, advertising spots and 200 million of other advertising forms. Um, there is a, they have their own ORF enterprise marketing agency and they market anything that goes. And, uh, uh, and this is also my criticism that I uh, voiced many times in, in uh, talk rounds. They are selling anything possible, meaning uh, clothing, cars, locations, uh, um, and, but it also when it comes to content, for example, where uh, when it comes to the uh, wine harvest, uh, they talk or they have advertising from these uh, uh, companies that have the biggest uh, production um, contribution. And uh, so it's not a secret, really. Um, uh, they don't uh, sue me or, or, or take me to court, but they know that they try to, uh, uh, you know, um, ignore my statements. And uh, but I um, point it out to them that it's public uh, television, and uh, in in. In Austria, um, you say um, when you had enough, you've you've had uh, you've been uh, had been uh, vaccinated, and but it has to do with a um, uh, yeah with a, a sweet bun that is vaccinated with a sweet content, and uh, so that's what you. Uh, uh, become allergic against, and uh, so um, they are talking about 39 million 
contributions from the by the government uh, for this uh, campaign but uh, i think uh, there is a, it's a lot more actually but uh, the reason why i'm saying it and i've been speaking at demonstrations ahead of uh, in front of 40000 people um, and there have been no claims and um, even my legal advisor said to me uh, there won't be any claims uh, because there was an editorial meeting the editorial counseling the internal revision of ORF um, complained with the management that uh, the campaign Austria is uh, getting vaccinating um, is going a bit too far because it's a PR campaign and internally from uh, on the part of the um, editorial council they were fearing and a loss of image and uh, and i know for sure firsthand from people who were part of the council to contact me in order to well relieve their bad conscience and uh, so I do get some information and these requests of the editorial council were answered by the management saying yes of course but we need the money and um, we don't tell our editors to uh, you know make critical report but uh, Please uh, respect our um, uh, politics and uh, you don't have to tell the editorials um, to uh, be uh, uh, less critical. So it's a depolitization um, uh, and for me it's completely absurd because this uh, um, the uh, Foundation Council is uh, the head of the the um, van der Bellen, um, you know, is the the spin doctor in in the party, and uh, he says it's, uh, he has non-party uh, allegiance, but. Um, but the question is: it really credible? Is it? Uh, and uh, in the preparation for today's talk, uh, I also thought what is happening at the moment with regard to content, you have to analyze it historically. When you get started as a young person, as myself in the 80s, it was really like a ministry. And uh, with Mr. Bacher, there was a general uh, uh, editor who looked at uh, the content and uh, and if you uh, made three or four mistakes, uh, you were in danger of getting fired. And uh, uh, so everything had to have uh, uh, three backups and uh, be verified several times. And therefore, people are still watching television today. Also, uh, among my friends and family, people above 70 or 80 are watching television as going to church. Uh, so the trust has been lost. Yes, it's like a product that has uh, gotten worse and worse, and the people haven't noticed it. And uh, of course, you could notice it, but the only positive uh, thing about it would be that, you know, you would have uh, the chance to 
to, to look at it from different perspectives, um, but uh, they've had uh, tested it many times. So anything that comes from a media, uh, it, it's almost, uh, uh, it has a bigger truth than in a personal talk. And uh, for the viewers who are seeing the 10 or 15 people who are preparing tonight's news, if they would sit here, you could uh, see them and uh, half of them are trainees or one third of them and uh, i don't want to devalue it but you would see this 10 people and uh, they are very normal people and you could see okay now they could explain my life to me because it's such an official uh, situation and such uh, a seriousness uh, the packaging is stronger than the content the, uh, when it comes to the so-called credibility. So you have to pay attention because uh, the way I experience it, I'm relatively convinced that none of my former colleagues uh, is uh, supported by pharma uh, or others uh, because it's about identity, it's about social status, and it's about the consideration. Okay, for me personally, it was uh, no longer possible to do it because I said I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror for the next 10 years and it wouldn't have been possible for me to uh, be uh, a moderator. I wouldn't have managed to do it, uh, this uh, one-sidedness. And uh, I talked a lot with colleagues and they said, well, you know, you can talk because I still have a, a mortgage on my house and I have to go, I have to get my pension, but you can afford it. You have no children and you have savings, etc. So it, it's being reduced to the material existence and or you are um, attached the way you are attached. And uh, I had some funny situations because my outing was in December last year and and due to, it was one year ago, I had left the system already. I said, I can no longer do it. I was in this vacuum. I was watching news every day. And, uh, and I could see that positive uh, uh, infected people and, and more sick people. And, uh, and there was a main story in the news uh, coming from, in, in my region, uh, Lower Austria, the moderator was really serious. And then there was a green box behind him about an incubated person and uh, the number 1,578 in Lower Austria. It's a bit like Berlin and Brandenburg, but uh, and uh, meaning, but it was clearly suggested that 1,500 something people are on in the ITCU in a certain region and in being intubated. And that for me was some point where I said that is simply not supposed to happen. I mean, I, I know what to do in that, such a situation. It was like, okay, I had to swallow hard. And then afterwards there was this story, which I just mentioned about this uh, council of the board. And then I went along and, and watched it and then observed it. And I have to admit that I was really afraid of receiving a shitstorm. And I have been watching many German colleagues and I 
looked back and forth, and then there was like a documentary on the 100th anniversary, of, of, and then in, in the end of November, and I said, okay, I don't want to go up to the guillotine, but but in five years I'll, from now, I'll, I'm going to tell myself, why didn't I say anything? I mean, I'm already outside of the game, and I've already lost my, I mean, I've, I've already lost it. I have not been fired. I, I noticed I cannot do it any longer. And I've made a few mistakes, though. I mean, I have to admit that I was still no longer in the front line. And then it came up to a point where there was not much left to push me over the brink. On the 14th of December, there was a demonstration by the Medical Council of Vienna with a friend of mine or an acquaintance of mine who, as a physician, participated in that demonstration. There were 800 physicians, male and female, in their white um, official clothing and then I came home and then it said in the newspaper I read the main header was uh, I mean there is an illegal demonstration in front of the medical council and then I could not stand it any longer I mean on my professional account uh, in Facebook I mean we had, nothing had been happening I mean I thought okay there would only be 280 people and that's it and I'm not going to feel ashamed and then I had over 1.5 million access to that and then it, it exploded. I mean, I was really astonished myself by my own capabilities. I mean, I was really surprised that I had that outreach. And then you already realize and notice that how far it is important for people to have other people daring to say and to speak up aloud. Yes, indeed. I mean, for half a year, I'd been really, really afraid of making that step because I'm an empathetic person, empathetic person, and I've already lost my job. And, and I was really, I had been afraid about this massive shitstorm in the tabloids. I mean, I was really not really looking forward to that. I mean, and that colleagues have been telling me, okay, you'll see, you'll have a big wave of solidarity coming away. I didn't know that beforehand. I, I wasn't aware of what was going to happen to me, positively speaking. And that enormous wave of uh, this really huge wave of positive reactions where I've sat down and at least to try to answer with a, a smiling, smiley, a twinkling eye, smiley, to respond to each and every one of them, at least. So, and when I came here, I, I asked myself the question, why am I doing this? And today, for me, I cannot see any immediate benefit coming out of this. So I still do not have a job. I mean, no invitations and to do what I would love to do. And for me personally, I'm not benefiting anything from this. I mean, maybe in the future, one might say, okay, in five years from now, one will remember me. I mean, from the outside, I have nothing that benefits me personally, except for me knowing that it helps other people. I mean, that's maybe the only incentive I have to speak up openly as I do. And it's also kind of liberating, yes, indeed. I mean, that was something I wasn't able to do up until half a year ago. I mean, we, well, one subject or the other, I mean, I've been questioned in a talk show. I mean, we can speak up openly, frankly, say your opinion or not. I mean, I mean, it's what is, ha, I mean, it, what is not, not ha, used not to be the case. I mean, I'm really astonished by, by, by colleagues all over the country who do not understand any longer what their actual job is. I mean, 
uh, being a presenter is moderating and not taking an, your own stance and expressing your own view. But, but do they have internalized that they have to take such a stance or how does it work? I mean, there's one presenter whose name I'd not like to mention. I mean, a few months ago, there was a very funny chat. It was like this. It went like this. She well wrote addressed to people like me we live in the world of science and when you cross a bridge or if you enter a, or board a plane you don't think if it's going to crash i mean you rely on what science tells you and then i interfered and i said okay no that's true but the the considerations i mean that there have to be certain checks and balances being done and verifications done by authorities and that there have been technicians verifying and still the mistakes are happening and still planes crash I mean and that's how it continued and then again I intervened and I asked her wouldn't you say that it's about time now to uh, take a look at both sides uh, unbiased I'm mean, then he responded to she responded to me okay you my dear um, Reinhardt you demonstrate with right-wing extremists I mean so I mean apparently others seem to boast about demonstrating with right-wing extremists so as a journalist you boast about not having been been on the spot because the right-wing extremists are there. So certain colleagues attended certain demonstrations and then they were totally lost and surprised because I asked them to, to take a closer look and they said, okay, that's 99% of totally average people. So it's, so to speak, the proper way of being politically correct of a left-wing political journalist never having to never have attended such a demonstration, which I've been observing in Vienna. I mean, I were in many of these demonstrations and I went from one spot to the other and I saw filming teams who really picked up upon these extremely strange figures. I mean, for 27 years, I've been worked as an editor in the TV news and I, I've I'm being sent out there. I know what to expect there. And then if I send something that it's not considered positive, and so the, the head editor is going to refuse it. I mean, and it's about reaching a certain quota. So me as an editor, I know about the basic stance and the baseline of my editorial line in my broadcaster. So our broadcaster ORF since March 2020, they're in a state of emergency and they've never left that state of emergency again so so there is still at the center of the broadcast I mean it's not mask wearing mandate but they are strongly recommended which means I mean today I spoke on the phone again to my informant nine out of ten employees of the public broadcaster they wear masks at their working place because the uh, board or the management recommends this so if you would imagine you've been working at the nuclear uh, um, power plant for two years I mean you have these tables I mean where they, they and you still have these security checks so they've never given up on that they're still living it I mean I up to a certain point I still do understand it I, I do understand I, I'm I'm not empathetic, but I can very well imagine if on a daily basis I'm inside that business and then in such big public broadcasting institutions, so, so they're the old guard, so 
those over 50 years of age who have the old-fashioned contracts. I mean, they cannot be laid off, and they they have an average salary of between 10 to 15,000 euros per month. And then there the others, the other half, so to speak, the younger ones who have temporary contracts, who have 3,000 euros a month as a lump sum, 27,000 euros overall as an annual salary for editors in the news section. So these two groups have, to the first, one group has too much to lose. And when I work inside that institution, so I have 7,000 euros a month and I am in a media management position, I have nothing. I don't have this option of saying, okay, I have 3,500 and I, I'm content with that and then I can voice my concern and, and um, whitewash my conscience. I mean, the, the young ones also want to get ahead with their career and they want to become some important position. So I'm also that person, I'm here and I, I've become popular the way I am. And, and, and under these circumstances, a person such as me would never have come into existence if I have now started, if I had, I mean, applied five or ten years ago and no way I'd have had any chance the way I am to do that job because politically I'm not, uh, it's not possible to 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 link me up to any faction and because I speak up frankly and I'm, I'm somehow free from fear. I've had one conversation at one time, a lobbyist accused me of that. He told me, I mean, and he, I told him, I mean, and he told me, oh, well, your problems in this country are that you're politically non-affiliable and you're this and that. And, and then they said, maybe Austria is not exactly comparable to Germany because Austria does hardly have any market because the media scene is closely interlinked and intertwined. So if you're on, on the top level of the management, I've never been at that level, but I was quite a popular TV presenter. So you're part of the whole game. You, you get invited, you know each other. So Auster in that respect, so one hand, pays the other. I mean, it's not exactly as it is in Italy, but it's one big family, and this family does not do any harm to each other. I mean, so, so you, sh you, you, you shoot snowballs at each other, yes, and, and sandballs, but you do not do your, each other any existential harm, and that has been, become obvious over the course of the past years. So in my case, the 40,000 years surrounded by, by Maria Mozart, I was on stage, and I trust her for that, and that said very clear that campaign Austria vaccinates is a PR campaign is like uh, is carried out in a way that it is not possible to have any critical voices since it's a PR act. So what we've seen in Austria is that we had confrontations between left and right and all four of them did agree. I mean, I was absolutely speechless. And it's a system. And then other big broadcasters or newspapers did something in that sense, respect, and nobody harmed the other because it was about the survival of each of these institutions. And you, we as consumers and as viewers, we assume that they can't, they can't do that. I mean, that's not possible. Uh, and these institutions and these companies put forward their own survival as their main interest. I mean, this issue that they all participate in this, at some point, they must have been convinced that that is the right thing to do. How did that happen? How did it come about? For me, what has been most absurd as, as an average person, 
I mean, up until Corona, I had my, I mean, I got all my vaccination shots. I mean, in, in, in Austria, you're also vaccinated against ticks because you all go skiing and okay. So, and then I, I, I found out, okay, I mean, well, ticks don't sit on, on the meadows there in the mountains. So, I mean, I, 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 I completely dropped out of that system 10 years ago. I, so I started reflecting upon that due to a conversation with my uh, general practitioner. And then at some point, we came up to the point with the Eva McTeam. I mean, I never had anything to do with, with horses. I mean, well, and then I observed this and I did what was quite simple. What I did briefly for this conversation again, I entered into Google Eva McTeam and Nobel Prize. And then you get enlarged, and the first entry in Wikipedia, uh, 2015, a number of scientists were awarded the Nobel Prize for the uh, discovery of Evenic team or the development of Evenic team. And yesterday or two days ago, I still heard from TV presenters that they attack people for being okay. You are in favor of using a dewarming medication for horses on humans, and then. I talk to people in Mexico and in, in India with the dense, most dense population in the world. I mean, I think two billion people in Mexico, I think, uh, two million people, I mean, with, using without vaccination, I mean, with using Ivermectima that was even distributed by the government, they achieved good success rates. And then I see political debates where the FPO, which is the right-wing party in Austria, is trying to say uh, they are constantly um, attacked and then and a party leader who seriously defends the use of dewarming medication. So I, I do not understand really how a TV presenter doesn't either not want to believe or does not believe. I mean, before having this uh, program, I did just discuss with our dear colleague Robert. I still think it's it's simple, simply stupidity. I mean, personally, I do not believe in a conspiration that everybody knows what they doing i mean and this eva mcteam thing was dropped at one point that it is a dewarming medication for horses and then everybody took that up and as a journalist should not you not ask the the medical experts or the physicians i mean at that level it's completely stupid i mean it's medical considerations i mean if you think reasonably we think we go too far i had another experience that was in the spring or that was already a year ago, it was a scientific editor, a colleague of mine, which I'd been working with for decades, and I met her by chance in a restaurant or in a bar, and she was already a bit uh, intoxicated, and uh, well, um, she asked me, are you vaccinated? And I said, no. And then she jumped back two meters and said, oh, are you crazy? You cannot expose me to that threat. And I said, no, I've recovered. Calm down. And said, she said, that doesn't count. And so she jumps back. I mean, I still have that image in my head. She goes back to her table and she points at me and says, and that, that's a, um, a, a threat. He's, he's a threat. I mean, he, he's someone constituting a threat. And he's uh, 
at, she is at quite a high position, high up in the editorial board for scientific matters. So, for example, the editor watching me, who is maybe at least fair or normal up to a certain point, I mean, he should not feel that he is the one I'm addressing here. But such things happen with people who are on these positions, and they've been sitting on these positions for two or three decades. So once you've entered into that system and it's become uh, customary, I mean, you, you do not have to prove yourself any longer. It's You've been cemented in that position. You are going to stay. You're not going to be exchanged. I mean, I do think I would assume that they still are aware of their responsibility, but over the course of the years in their daily dealings, I mean, it's only human. I mean, there are even journalists who take care of medical issues in the Süddeutsche Zeitung or in Berlin, the Tagesspiegel, daily newspapers, even in the Putz left-wing daily newspaper. In different media outlets, there were before we used to give interviews on different medical topics. And then I noticed suddenly how they changed. They Before, they used to look for quite a bit of conflict and dispute. I mean, you used to be against that, and uh, now you used to be against before, and now are you against it? So they wanted an opposing opinion, a contradictive view. So they used to uh, edit books. Markus Grill, for example, he used to be chief editor at the first German TV public broadcaster. I mean, we had a program, a discussion program in Mainz with a public prosecutor spe specialized in medical and health issues and me and him we used to fight corruption and even before that we used to talk to each other and discuss medical subjects and now he is totally gone in line and he never ever talks again about corruption maybe if there's some unfair issues happening when uh, acquiring these syringes but the, to the overall view has he has completely lost view of it so for example there's a candidate with there was one uh, physician who has only worked for about two years as physician and the youngest of these candidates and he tells them i'm 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 i only i hold i'm a hold I hold myself responsible to, to science. I mean, I don't know what, what Freud wanted from me with, the, with this, this psychological lapse. So it's the hugest achievements of all times. So it's a kind of a solidary act. So the same, very same people. So if we had told them one year ago that that doesn't create any uh, serial immunity, I mean, they might have laughed at us off as conspirational theorists. And now they say, oh, now, I mean, we're up, coming up to the fifth vaccination dose and they might have accused, have accused us of the same thing. I, mean, I think it depends on making that personal stance, that decision. You have made that decision which you cannot revert from any longer. And to remain fair, I mean, within the opposition, not everything is is idle sunshine either. So they're also very extreme positions where me personally, I do not know if anyone is trying to decimate the world population. I, I do not 
focus on that. I mean, there's some people who are fully convinced by this. I can only talk about what I've experienced personally. And in 20 years back, I also used to be in politics. I fought within an election campaign and everything I experienced over there. It's happening like it happens in a, a, in a pub. You know, you, you take decisions are very easily taken. And if the um, citizens believe that any political decision has been taken scientifically and it's been well researched, no, many things have happened, you know, just from the gut feeling. And they have an enormous impact on our lives. And I have a request to make. So if it doesn't fit with your own gut feeling and what your heart tells you, do not believe that truth is emanating from the television. And there is an opinion coming out of the television and it's very biased uh, at the moment and the other opinion i mean is for a reason some reason or another i mean which you know very much more than me but i still feel it i mean they they are marginalized and still the narrative of the television is just an opinion and not the truth and that people would have to really internalize and understand well it's about people who are either true or not and uh, they can influence uh, things and uh, you can estimate it quite well but what about institutional corruption if there weren't any institutions and uh, you know being financed uh, by somebody who wants something completely different well it's a bit like uh, uh, the news industry and uh, you can see the correspondents who are reporting and uh, but there's only one correspondent who covers everything and uh, if he's working for Reuters then uh, uh, then you can uh, search the Reuters owners and you find uh, uh, companies like Blackbox in the US and these are huge investors and uh, well black box uh, it's a technical supplier but ultimately uh, I didn't you know go into detail but if you want to do it but then you see that uh, AFP and others uh, they are owned by somebody and uh, and how is news being produced maybe today you can see Armenia Azerbaijan there, there is a war at the moment Azerbaijan uh, has done the same what Russia is doing in Ukraine you don't see anything and uh, there are no big news about this um, there is a complete uh, standstill, and uh, so it doesn't happen. The news are not happening. So, uh, you know, it's not happening in reality. And uh, uh, the, the news uh, uh, editors, they are, um, you know, downloading the agencies and they are creating their own menu. And uh, the menu has to be uh, good enough for people to watch it. And uh, so it's about uh, uh, the, the main advertising block and uh, and uh, the secondary uh, advertising block and uh, and the most expensive ones uh, have to be connected to the uh, mo the main news and that have the highest ratings. Uh, uh, so the ratings are more important than uh, the content and and we also had uh, uh, well um, uh, and you know uh, uh, a rating at school for example and uh, so the uh, 
you know, the way it was uh, um, evaluated uh, uh, was more important, uh, the grade was more important than uh, uh, the news itself. So uh, uh, it was uh, started by Boston uh, family. It's a test uh, system. It's a very questionable um, uh, procedure. I think it's 1,000, uh, 2,000 households. They have this uh, box at home, and then uh, uh, their information is being evaluated. And uh, so the behavior of the television viewers is being recorded, and then you can use uh, school grades almost, and, uh, and then it's being extrapolated to the uh, general population. And uh, so, of course, uh, you could uh, determine the, the ratings in, uh, in with different ways, but uh, the media companies don't want it. They like their old system because uh, it shows, uh, uh, you know, uh, it uh, best uh, for the established uh, um, companies. And I have uh, uh, experienced two test households in my entire life, so I'm very surprised how these ratings are coming about. So the countries also are interested vis-a-vis uh, -vis, um, the advertising customers uh, you know the, the the broadcasters are interested to be the best vis-a-vis -vis the, the the advertisers and uh, and uh, the ratings can you measure them i mean can you uh, measure how long for example and not just uh, for 10 minutes i think uh, they are evaluating this, but today in digital, with the digitization, it wouldn't be a problem doing it. And uh, uh, in real time measurement, it wouldn't really be a problem. And I think they are doing it as well. And uh, there are 100% correct measured uh, uh, figures. And, and then there are the official figures. And every cable provider can tell you um, you know, uh, down to the second um, who was uh, involved and switched uh, on. And uh, there was an organization called Media Tenor. Uh, they are looking uh, internationally uh, who, are, who is reporting what topics, and then they create a, a ranking. And uh, and you can see also geographically um, who is reporting on what, and you can uh, also then subscribe to to it. And large companies are subscribing, for example, automotive company. So, so I'm uh, I know a director of. Uh, 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 of electromobility, and I asked him about batteries, and uh, he said it's a bit like a high voltage uh, uh, transformer. You know, um, it's a bit like sitting on an 18,000 volt transformer. And uh, so, with Coca Cola, uh, you know that it's not the healthiest in the world. But uh, I think we are living in this world where everything is being sold via marketing. And then we seriously believe that television is telling the truth. 
because possibly uh, you know we 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 did see it experience it in the 80s uh, that there was a different approach and uh, if you take a media product and it becomes known for example if i look at the corona committee and we become more uh, known and then people would uh, have the interest to use it for their interest and and we would get offers and uh, uh, for um, you know publicity and, and of course they want to earn money and it's very tempting and it's not just uh, you know for it doesn't just go for the established uh, broadcasters also these smaller companies are looking for uh, you know extra money maybe via donations etc so these secondary interests that immediately arise uh, in my time also in well uh, you know I could see that you have to uh, talk about it it has to be clear and uh, well you know um, you have to be very careful with the truth and uh, before corona I was a guest at the University of Vienna and uh, uh, in a talk and uh, I know that uh, three years ago there already there were fake news productions in Kazakhstan and, uh, uh, you know, f supported by Russian and Iranian interests uh, to de destabilize Europe. And uh, uh, these, uh, they were uh, even um, uh, marked as uh, fake news. Uh, but, uh, well, these are political interests. It's about market shares. It's about holding the competition uh, uh, small and keeping them small. And if I see, uh, for example, the agricult agricultural countries, they hired uh, professors, uh, uh, you know, they didn't even know about their own publications because it was done by the company. Uh, so it's being done to create certain opinions and to 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 also, uh, you know, um, oppress certain opinions. And uh, I think it's also quite interesting uh, when it comes to conspiracies and, uh, uh, you know, it's also uh, <clears throat> So there was a, a, um, a, a lie that was uh, um, uh, produced uh, 30 years ago, and uh, uh, it was about uh, Rumsfeld and uh, when uh, America was uh, uh, invading Iraq and the agency Hill and Norton, they had to come up with a story and they came up with a, a breeding um, um, uh, theory about uh, yeah and this I, I, I accused someone uh, about uh, this and they said no it was a one-off in a war time and uh, now it's completely different and everybody knows it's different now but uh, 
I also know that somebody filmed with their mobile phone how um, a, a, a war scenario was uh, uh, put on stage, so to speak, in the Ukraine. And uh, we had a case uh, where an immigrant video was uh, put uh, in, uh, was published by the media and was already produced in 2015. And uh, unfortunately, you have both directions. And please, YouTube is also not the truth. For me personally, I'm not vaccinated because I, I thought it was dubious. And I found uh, doctors that I could trust. And uh, and uh, and then I had a very light infection. And that was it. And, uh, you know, I do everything that you need to be healthy. But uh, and from my common sense uh, uh, and with all the information I had, they led me to come to this decision. I didn't get anything uh, from other people. And uh, I, uh, I remember how the whole panic came about when the people wouldn't have watched television. If they had continued to go to school, to go to their job, what would uh, they have experienced? Uh, and in my experience, they wouldn't have any had any, any change in their lives. I think the whole panic was being constructed and, uh, and also very efficiently. So these uh, black spots people, do we know anything more about this? Well, not in detail, but I looked at some more things that uh, uh, before I came and uh, I could only uh, find the connection to Canada, to the US. Uh, I think it's uh, about uh, technical implementation that perhaps has to do with black box uh, stroke uh, black rock. Uh, ultimately, you always end up in the United States, and but it's a real position of power. Uh, these agencies, they determine what is being done. Yes, and uh, uh, and people are trusting them. And uh, these agencies, uh, when I, uh, you know, got to know them, people like Reuters, they are like the Bible. Um, and. Uh, so uh, it's an it's overlapping now with electronic news and uh, so it's like going um, you know to the petrol pump and you're expecting the best petrol and uh, so you wouldn't even think about doubting it there's an insider book is there an insider book regarding on the uh, ways of working of a news agency well, you take these informations and uh, as if they are coming from a media god. 
and also the Syrian uh, um, observing observation station. Ultimately, you could find out the observatory that was only one person with his daughter, and uh, they um, compiled uh, these eyewitness news from Syria. So the end, end customer is not asking about it, and also not the middle level. So in my opinion, it's not a bad intention if you would ask them uh, to research it. Uh, they would say, I have no time. And the big agencies are also paid according to uh, what they sell and how much they sell. And if they produce news that are selling well, then it's positive for them. And it's all about selling, yes. In my last two and a half years, for example, I have had very grotesque experiences uh, uh, 27th, uh, 27th of uh, December 2020. Um, I could, uh, I remember we had an exchange in writing and uh, I was very much interested and uh, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, it was December 2020, as I said, and uh, I asked about uh, vaccinations and she just told me, well, we have no idea. The government is putting pressure on us and we are expecting that there won't be anything happening. And, uh, but uh, meaning, uh, well, if you say there won't be any liability, right? Well, any news uh, editor, uh, for example, when uh, the, the Pfizer contract was leaked and uh, on page 48, it says the complete liability exemption. So anyone can look at it and, and read it. And uh, so it was confirmed to me, yes, uh, I, I, I said, what are the possible vaccination results or damages? Uh, he said, anything is possible. But he said, then, uh, well, it couldn't really be traced. Um, I cannot, uh, you know, prove any conspiracy, but, uh, you know, she just told me um, it's about a lot of money and we don't know exactly how much. And, uh, uh, well, and uh, what about, uh, you know, unvaccinated people? They said, yes, we have our doctors in uh, the offices in Berlin, etc., etc. But uh, I can now swear uh, that this happened. And uh, this story, uh, I heard this story as an urban legend a couple of months ago. But... Um, there are really grotesque things, and uh, I think that things are much uh, simpler. It's, uh, I think it's mainly about uh, this uh, uh, powerful argument of existence. And uh, uh, I had an internet moderator uh, uh, at home with me, and, uh, and 
he had a look at the technology and he also recognized me and he said it's great what you're doing etc and he said i share your opinion and we started talking and i asked about him well what have you experienced in the last two and a half years visiting 10 households a day with a mask he said that never happened. He said, yes, the first two months we never knew and uh, I did it myself. And But he said for two years, he goes to visit 10 households a day. He does. He said it does not happen in 95 of 100. Two years ago, they had asked you if you want a drink, you don't want to sit down. And so I said, why is it? Because nobody is asking you uh, uh, to say anything because nobody wants to have any problem. So he says five are crazy, but and uh, you know they they uh, ideally want to have a full body condom, but um, 95 in the last two years uh, have not bothered, and uh, so it's very interesting. RKI has uh, uh, surveyed 600 um, uh, uh, medical practices and to see what kind of people get treated. And in, 1920, in 2020 and 21, mothers and children no longer went to the doctor. It was a real wide wave. And when uh, the fear started, the fear mongering started, the wave stopped. Uh, the children still became sick, but uh, they no longer went to the doctor because they were afraid uh, to wear the mask, etc. So we would say that that's the epicenter of the part of, of the, the, the craziness. I mean, if you if you pass the, the outer limits of the municipality of Vienna, you suddenly have to put on a mask. I mean, and the people who start putting on the mask when they cross that line, I mean, or take it off when they cross out again. And yesterday in the news, it was said that, that unfortunately, there's still many rural, rural opponents to opponents to vaccination and, and idiots and the uh, narrative inventors I mean they, they, they the councillor the municipal councillor in charge of health affairs I mean said that people who are of rural descent are uh, telling nonsense I mean that is what he literally said he that's something you could say openly on the news programming that there's something impossible to do five years back for a news presenter I would say something there's, I know someone who works in a news program at the second German public broadcasting channel. I mean, he is in a high position of responsibility and I knew him, had known him for quite a while and I spoke to him on the phone. I mean, I called him up when it all started and he had said it, it, the lockdown is a complete catastrophe two or four weeks which had been announced. I mean, of course, it all turned out differently in the end and even only that, I mean, that cannot be done and that person in the beginning was initially very open to this issue and i said okay now i'm also worried and then yes indeed and then after a while we got talking again and then he was again uh, that person was again very worried and then and do a report i told him and then i think it was from from austria there was that that the, the, the kickel i think he's called you know the, the head of the fpu party i mean I, he came out and i didn't know him really well i mean i 
did not really follow up on Delhi political business. I mean, I didn't take it really seriously in the beginning. And he came up with that, and and he pointed out very correctly these very points. I mean, then then I transferred it to that person, that acquaintance of mine, and then she, he, uh, that person was completely out of the minds. How could I transfer this information coming out of that right wing source? How that was absolutely indignant, and 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 then how could I bother him with such nonsense? And then at some point, I mean, I had this impression that that person had withdrawn into private life. I mean, they they they'd been traveling, and that was so nice outside in nature. And then when I had new uh, again getting contact with him, that it was so bad that all these masks are going to endanger the environment. I mean, there is like this wave of no-go zone, Yanin. So that it would be fakes in the 80s if we had that popping up, and it was against the FP, which is not as extreme as the German right-wing AFD, but not as liberal as the German liberal FDP party. So it's in the middle. But it has about the same societal value, which it is labeled with, uh, as it is in Germany for the AFD. So it's extreme right-wing Nazis, and you don't deal with them. So if you grow up in a left-wing missionary, basic principle thinking FPU is as basic uh, it's evil and you do not deal with them so in the public uh, enterprise you do not have anyone employed who is affiliated with the FPE even though they cover up to 30 percent of the population it's really one of the players in the political scene among the parties so now we have the very stupid situation where Kikel was the only one and the FPE was the only ones who took up that stance and who had the very normal and natural basic reflex of trying to explain and things. So there was this reflex of saying, okay, Kikl is saying it and FU is saying it, and, and so thus it must be evil. And that should not happen ever again. I mean, it's about this not, we're not going to accept that ever again. I mean, we, we always hear about the right-wing populism, but we do not have a left-wing populism. In the United States, it's the opposite. Because they always talk about left-wing populism because the communism used to be the image of their class enemy, so to speak. So in Austria, and I've, uh, two, three days ago, I spoke to a political counselor, and why do we not have a left-wing populism? And she said, no, we do have that, but the left-wing populism is the truth. So I was a uh, parliamentarian for 15 years in the German Bundestag for the SPD, and, and my impression is that the uh, traditional parties wanted to collect voices and, and votes, sorry. And regarding the AFD, the right-wing party in Germany, I have the impression that the bigger parties um, try to make use of that. If they do not want a subject to be taken seriously in a public debate in the Bundestag, in the German parliament, well, they, they, they chase it off to the AFD, and it's not going to be taken seriously. So you may make living out of it that uh, that as a say so to speak in disposal enterprise you take up that function for the officially established parties i was at an event where someone was supposed to attend and i at the event was a 
not able to attend to, to attend that event for reasons inherent to Omicron, so I had a running nose, so that was labeled Omicron. So anyway, then afterwards it was said that I was sympathizing with right-wing people who are anti-Israel because it was had been announced that I was supposed to be at that event. So that that hammer that is being used is always the same. It's stupid. It's right wing. So always this whole program. So so can I have both parties? And it's like woof, you're being hit. So that works very well with many issues. I mean, in 1918, we can also read it up in in, in Lenin's famous work. I mean, it, it, it has nothing to do with what we've learned back in the days at school about how democracy is supposed to work. That you listen to all different points because it well, it's been said that okay, it's about basic survival. It's about naked survival. I mean, everybody knows someone and. And then in the media, they no longer have the capacity of saying, okay, maybe that was a bit extreme and we were mistaken. They have closed up that option to themselves. And the only option we'd have is what we're observing now on a daily basis. And I think that the ORF, the public broadcaster, does not know how dozens and the hundreds of people are leaving and they're never going to come back. I mean, suddenly they're, they're going to get bad and tens of thousands of people are no longer going to turn tune into them again. Well, that might be new opportunities. I mean, how to avoid such mistakes. I mean, they open up the restaurants right next to them. Are we going to open up restaurants right next to them? So, and then pick up on those people leaving. Havel did that back in Czechia, that he built up a parallel culture and he continued building up a parallel society where people would meet up in private living rooms and you'd have private cultural events where high-level intellectual people would meet up in private in this hostile environment to try to take care of their values and to continue doing do they developed a parallel cultural world as parallel structures and I think that is an opportunity and if it's that pre at the point where it's become that present that people will say okay I benefit much more from this than from listening to that falsified or very biased information I'm getting from the public progress and then I go there so I have an example of someone who 30 years ago, I mean, I met him and he used to be an Air Force pilot in the former East German Armed Forces. And then last week, I also met him again. You know what? It's important, absurd, he told me. Us, we in, in the former Eastern German Republic, we knew that we had a public service broadcast that was telling us only what was supposed to be um, by the government, and you do not know. I mean, we we have the internal secret services or the, um, the intelligence services, which are called in the Federal Republic of Germany, they're called the protectors of the constitution. And in the East, they were called the state security. So, and what they're doing now, actually, in our country is more alike to what the state security services used to do. They're no longer protecting the constitution. Well, we, I think we'd have to take a closer look. I would be very interested to take a closer look at this issue relating to the agencies who's behind all this because it's an extremely powerful position and I would really like to know who's involved in that. I'd say we we have our next panelist coming up. Uh, it was 
excellent to listen to you and and it was excellent to have in to get these insight from inside the business i mean otherwise we have had not someone like you talking from inside the public progressor and it's also difficult i mean to to cross that threshold and it's it's really regrettable as well this shit some so far has not happened to me i mean maybe it's going to to be launch today and nobody has confronted me in the talk show i've never been invited i mean it, it was tried to silence this there was also this internal instruction and in ex former partner of mine on television i said and i asked her well what do you say to your ex-colleague and why 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 uh, why why you ask that question i mean i said why i mean he said yeah because he says certain things and i said oh i didn't even know that i mean i never i wasn't aware of that what he's saying so I think that's also very grotesque. I mean, it's really like uh, I, my Wikipedia entry has been shortened from this long to that long. And I mean, everything was, was crossed out that I'm a pilot. I, I used to have long-term coaching contracts also with Vienna Energy Company. All of this has been shortened out. So as to present me as if so, I was a low level or not very important person. He only, I mean, he, so be, they would be able to say that only because that 20 years ago you used to be presenting some kind of program, but I would say, oh, you're not relevant. And then I would respond, well, I mean, that was, that had, that had millions of, of uh, viewers. I mean, maybe in the future we still need you, we we'll, might need journalists such as you. Well, I'm, I'm, I've always almost reached the age of 60, but I still have that secret hope that somehow this space might open up. I mean, then new opportunities going to open up and up in the media. To come back to that issue of Wikipedia, I mean, that's really crazy. I don't even have an in entry on Wikipedia. I don't know about you. I think there is something happening, lots of things happening. We should take a look at that. I, I, I don't know. I don't really, I'm, I don't really care about that. Well, I mean, at least, so to say, it's interesting because I'm the, at the double head of the party, the Basis in Germany, and I've seen that the Animal Welfare Party, and I'm also in favor very much of animal welfare, of course, but but there is uh, in Wikipedia there is in the details everything is described about what the um, leadership of that party does. I already a predecessor, Dr. Baum. Um, and there's also an entry on him. I mean, it's really astonishing. I mean, there must be other reasons than that. Well, of course, it has a certain impact in business. I mean, as a journalist, when you interview someone, you, you take a look. I mean, it's, it's the easiest thing to go to Wikipedia. It has a certain effect. It doesn't really have a real impact, but some kind of impact. So I've never been confronted by no journalist directly, but in a subtle way. But what I found even more original, so I've, as I said, presented certain programs for the, or I've been never, will never recover my name from there. I mean, I've been completely omitted. They've omitted everything and erased everything referring to me. I mean, I mean, it's like, like really like burning books. I mean, there's nothing more you can do. So they're kind of trying to not address me that my, because if I was going to say something that about this campaign, Austria is vaccinating, and so there's money going here and there and funds and so I mean they say they, they can I, I don't care I couldn't care less so to speak and uh, and then if I try to 
speak up. I mean, I mean, and the, the best thing they've come up with is to try to silence me, not to give me any platform. I mean, that's also an, an excellent strategy, I'd say. Well, great, excellent. As long as the head is up, I mean, it's fine. I mean, the, the head is going to stay up, and maybe you can lift it up and raise it up even more, and I see a, a promising future for you coming up. It's great to have you here. I mean, and we're going to follow up on all these very interesting issues, and I, I'm quite confident we'll have more opportunities in the future. Thank you very much. Now, Robert. Should we take a come, yeah. So we have Polish guests. We may stay here or we may stay seated or, I mean, we're we going to continue talking for another hour. I'll follow up from over there. I'll stay here, but I'll, I'll go over there. Hello. Nice to see you. How are you? Yeah, schön Sie zu sehen watching it as a journalist, follow it, but I never expected that I'm going to be here. Well, That's it, a pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the time has come. The time has come. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited. It sounds like a judgment day. We saw each other in Russia. Yes. Now, I mean, the first uh, interview when I had a pleasure to uh, have to interview you, sir, was, uh, I think, 2020, uh, I think around September. Mm -hmm when they start this have this stupid idea with the vaccines. And I was asking, I was chasing you quite long because you've been the one, the bravest one. Yeah, that was a Skype interview over there. It was over the internet. Yeah. Okay, so, maybe um, yeah, you're from Poland. Yeah, my name is Piotr Szlachtowicz. If yeah. you want me to introduce myself, yeah, in a minute will be my colleague, Damian Garlitski, mm -hmm. which is the uh, paramedic. And I'll explain if you let me. Mm -hmm. Yes, he, that's oh. Damian Garlitski. He doesn't speak English, so I'll be translating. But uh, the things I think even a little he has to say is quite important for your show and for, for all of us, which are chasing the truth, chasing these psychopaths, bad guys, whatever you call them. Uh, yeah, my name is Piotr Traktowicz. I'm working for the station called Vralu 24, which means, if I have to translate it on the English, will be in real 24, and in German will be up am real 24. So uh, we, are, we used to be the most popular uh, alternative station in Poland. We had, we had uh, more than half a million subscribers on YouTube, but on 20th of August, YouTube decided to terminate our uh, channel or our channels without any reason. Of course, the reason was we uh, hate talkers, uh, fake news, etc., etc. Uh, so that's how it is. And uh, yeah, I was chasing the truth since the beginning of the whole madness. Since my 27th interview, which was removed from YouTube, I lost the count. And uh, yeah, but we still keep on fighting. Damian is a paramedic who was one of the first whistleblowers in Poland, uh, who said the truth, what is really going on, and showed uh, to the public that all is a big lie. So paramedic means you work in hospital? No, he's a, he's a paramedic. He's working in ambulances. I mean, he's a, he's a first contact uh, person. Mm -hmm. He's highly educated, but he's not a, a doctor. How is it organized, yeah, how is it organized the, the, 
Jakbyśmy powiedzieli, jak, jak jest zorganizowany system, jeśli chodzi o po pomoc medyczną, czy ty tylko y, pracujesz jako wiesz, w KRC pogotowie, czy też w innych miejscach? Po, powoli za dużo nie może bym zdążył. Pracuję w zespołach ratownictwa medycznego i w szpitalu i polski system ratownictwa medycznego uznawany jest za jeden z najbardziej rozwiniętych pod względem kompetencji na świecie. He works in a hospital and the ambulance as well and from many point of views, I mean those who know the staff, the Polish system is one of the most advanced and I would say, how to say it in, in English, quite a lot of uh, things inside of it mm -hmm. uh, in the whole world if you have to compare to for example the other systems mm -hmm. in the other country and then the paramedic like diamond has a lot of com uh, you know a lot of stuff to cover yes you're the first contact from yes. the patient yes. and then you if you if you need a doctor you call the doctor no no i mean during the pandemic <laughs> U nas nie ma tak jak jest w Austrii bądź w Niemczech tego do lekarza, który dojeżdża, my robimy wszystko sami. Uh, is it is not like in Germany in Austria uh, that you calling a doctor and doctor is calling coming to you. Uh, they replace them. The doctor. So and even in during it's my words because I know we talk a lot. We released the book together with one other guy, which is Grzegorz Płaczek. We released the book that when Damian was telling the truth about it, ask, answering him for our questions, mm, he replaced the home doctors mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah. So they've been like the first contact doctors, let's mm -hmm. say it, without being a doctor. You also make home care. You drive to the patient. Czy odwiedzasz również pacjentów i jeździsz do nich? Jako pogotowie. Like a paramedic, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what was it um, that you saw like in the beginning of the... Because I guess it's two, two instances. It's like what was going on maybe with Corona, plus then what's now going on also Co widziałeś na początku vaccines? samej pandemii? Jak to spostrzegałeś, jak, jak na początku zareagowałeś, a potem, gdy już się bardziej to zaczęło? Na początku bałem się jak każdy. Ponieważ myślałem, że jest to prawdziwa epidemia. In the beginning I was afraid like any others because I thought it's a true pandemic, epidemic. Przedsięwziąłem takie środki, jakich byłem nauczony na studiach, zabezpieczałem się i postępowałem w sposób taki, jak trzeba, zgodnie z zasadami epidemiologicznymi. Uh, I was doing the, exactly what they taught me in the uh, university on, on studies and I was doing exactly what they taught me on the uh, um, classes what we had two things about epidemiology and about all these things which we should do during the pandemic. Ale szybko zrozumiałem i zobaczyłem, że to co robimy jest bez sensu. And but quite quickly I found out and realized that all we do is absolutely nonsense. Łamaliśmy wszelkie zasady epidemiologiczne nauczone na studiach. We absolutely broke all the rules of epidemiology which I was learned and was taught on studies during the studies. I pozwalaliśmy umierać ludziom w domu. And we let the people die at homes. Dlatego należało się zbuntować i przeciwstawić temu systemowi. That's why I decided, he decided to uh, rebel against it and start doing the right thing. Did you, in Poland too, was the stuff in some time, in the, in the, the care stuff, was it sent to quarantine? That they that they were less stuff to to care for the people. Czy dużo pielęgniarek ludzi z opieki medycznej było często wysyłanych na kwarantannę? Nie. No. 
taki moment, że już nie podlegaliśmy kwarantannie, a inni ludzie tak. There was a moment when the people from the let's put it this way, medical staff never been on quarantine and after some time they been like excluded from it completely. Ask if I can suggest you ask about 15 minutes rule. As diamond, and he will tell you everything. Okay. Po jest opiętna w tym minutowej zasadzie. Was jest to? Fifteen minutes rule. Yeah. Bardzo głupie zasady wymyślone przez rządzących i przez Sanepid. Sanepid is an organization like CDC in America. That's, I mean, comparable. Yeah. Sanepid, that's what it's called. Jeżeli mieliśmy kontakt do piętnastu minut z pacjentem, to nie szliśmy na kwarantannę. A powyżej piętnastu minut. So if we had a contact for 15 minutes with a patient, let's say it's 15 minutes, we didn't go for quarantine. Above that, we did. Poza tym przez telefon można było powiedzieć wszystko, gdy nas sprawdzali. So you could go there twice for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, for example. Yeah. Or yeah, and after that you could say anything by the phone to the sanepid. This is a lie, whatever. I created story. They didn't care really. Poza tym często wchodziliśmy do domu na wizytę nieubrani, stwierdzaliśmy, że pacjent ma objawy infekcji, wychodziliśmy i ubieraliśmy się w kombinezony, co jest głupotą. Okay, the the absurd goes on. Sometimes or many times he went on to the patient without any kind of you know masks and all the stuff like normal. We realize there is some signs of infection. And then we come back and we dressed up with what I call it. This is my name on it, like a you know space people. So that's that's the another absurd. Gdy będzie prawdziwe zagrożenie epidemiologiczne, nikt z nas nie odważy się popełnić takich błędów. If there will be a really threat, a true threat of any epidemic, none of us will do this kind of thing, and we'll we're gonna do everything by the book. W prawdziwej epidemii wszyscy byśmy byli albo chorzy, bądź byśmy poumierali, robiąc to, co robiliśmy. In a true epidemic, we will be really sick. I mean, the paramedics, or we will all probably die if there will be a true pandemic. I mean, that's obvious for you, but you know, we're doing this show for people, and sometimes I just it's me. After so many years of doing it, sometimes they're really the simple story. The simple thing can open the people's eyes because they don't want to listen, you know, highly educated professors, doctors. No offense, whatever. But if there is a paramedic or person like Diamond talks, they just open their eyes. Gosh! But sometimes they don't, like with Ukraine war. Just, just have a, just if you just have a look at the incidence of, of, of illnesses, of infections with with nursing staff or doctors. In the years before the whole, the whole time you could observe it, and with teachers who has he have all those pupils who have infections, lots of infections, have running noses four times a year. There is there is a whole class full of them, and the teachers have very and and the educators in the kindergarten they they have lots of contact, and they are not more ill, they don't have more infections than other. In the opposite. They have mostly. They have a very good immune system, well-trained immune system. That's why my friends, my friends who have kids, 
mm. realize after some time that they kids who are, didn't go because of lockdowns or whatever, didn't go to school, kindergarten or whatever, uh, their uh, immune system got weakened. And after some time, because before, like you said, it's a, there was a doctors, there was a, uh, there was a exchange of fluids, I always say, and those kids being quite strong in 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 case of, in sense of immune system. But uh, no, yeah, I, we can see that. I mean, normal people which never involved with medicine any kind have noticed that. So there is something there. There is something like training of the immune system. What yeah. they do now, what they try to do with the, with the vaccinations, this is artificial training. Yeah. But the normal training was established thousand years ago. Of course. And running course. all the time. Yeah, I'm still learning. So, but how did this journey continue? Like, it's... How did this journey continue? Like, it's... How did this journey continue? Cały czas próbuję uzdrowić to, co nam zabrano, bądź odzyskać to, co nam zabrano i wiem, że niedługo przyjdą po nas. Natomiast trzeba walczyć, bo mamy dzieci i nie możemy pozwolić tym ludziom, którzy to zaplanowali, żeby całkowicie zniszczyli cywilizację ludzką. All the time I try to cure it back. I try to bring it back what, whatever been taken from us, all of us. I'm trying to fight it for the, our children's sake. I'm trying to uh, stop somehow, if I, if he can, uh, to ruin our civilization, because that is what it's all about. Nigdy nie, nigdy nie użyłbym słów i nie podważał prawdziwej epidemiologii, bo tego zostałem nauczony na studiach. Natomiast to, co teraz nam pokazują i to, co z nami robią, to jest mi wstyd, że jestem medykiem. I would never uh, said anything against the real epidemiology, because that was I thought. I was I taught on the university at school, but that will be they've been doing with us for the last two and a half years or more. Um, he feels some kind of shame that he's a paramedic. He's a part of this so-called medical system, and that he tries to, to bring it back to to bring the good name to it. To my wygenerowaliśmy my generowaliśmy ten strach wśród ludzi. Bo wszystkie rządy na całym świecie dobrze medykom płaciły. Dlatego tak mało medyków odważyło się wyjść na ulicę i mówić prawdę. So we've been responsible for generate this fear because we've been well paid by the governments all over the world. I'm talking he's talking about paramedics. Mm -hmm. So in some sense we're responsible and not so many paramedics had a guts to come forward and say it, what's the truth, yeah? Rządy zabrały ludziom możliwość leczenia i tak naprawdę to rządy pozabijały te niewinne osoby, które być może wyzdrowiałyby, gdyby były leczone. Uh, the government took away the chances, uh, the chance of being cured despite the sickness for normal people and the they took away the chance to in, in create this situation which they've been dying mm -hmm. uh, and we couldn't prevent it. I have a we could prevent it, sorry. How many dead people do you, is there any figure you yeah. could give? How many I mean, uh, the figure is still, uh, I mean, uh, if you look at the, the official data from Polish government uh, for the last three months was 165,000 people died because they couldn't get the doctor. 
in Poland during the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. um, my work indicates, and my research indicates, more than 220,000 deaths, mm -hmm. which was caused by uh, the lockdowns, lack of medicine care, uh, postponed uh, cancer, uh, hospitalizations, etc., etc., strokes, you name it. I can give you the story from one in uh, Silesian uh, city. The girl was 32. She had a heart attack. She spent eight hours waiting in the lobby of hospital. And the doctor, when the one of the guy and one of the MPs from Polish Parliament, Grzegorz Brown, was doing some kind of commission to establish what really happened, and he was talking to the doctor who was a chief of this mm -hmm. at that time, he said, "You know what? We have this rule, which I do put it: the heart case has to wait from four hours to six hours. So imagine someone who has a bleeding, any bleeding." Yeah, yeah. Or he's whatever, yeah, and he's bleeding pretty yes. heavily. So how many you guys more better than me? Fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, and he's gone. Yeah. And here was for from four hours to six hours. And um, yeah, so that is the the, the thing. Nie, nie, ja mówię o tym tej sprawie związanej z tym dziewczyną, która zmarła w Bytomiu, w Rybniku. Yeah, exercise, and you learned a lot when you were educated as as a health worker. And uh, what did you learn about wearing masks in all those years before? When did you when did you wear a mask in all those years before? What did you learn about that? Doktor Wodak pyta cię, bo, bo słyszę, że nauczyłeś się bardzo dużo o, o w ogóle o swojej pracy przedtem, ale co nauczyłeś się, jeśli chodzi, jeśli chodzi o twoją wiedzę o maskach na długo przed to tym, co się działo przez ostatnie dwa i pół roku? Maskę używałem w pracy tylko wtedy, kiedy intubowałem pacjenta, bo mógł zwymiotować bądź opluć mnie krwią. Natomiast wiem, że szczeliny w tej masce są zbyt wielkie, żeby zatrzymać wirusa. Okay, um, I was using the mask before, only when I was intubated a person or someone who was spitting the blood, just avoid, yeah, just to avoid, you know, problems. But I, but I know. But he knows that the, the holes inside this mask, let's put it this way, are bigger than the, the, any virus could come anyway. Can, it could go through it. Poza tym, jeżeli mam nosić cały czas tą maskę, to świadomie godzę się na osłabianie swojego układu odpornościowego, bo oddycham 16% tlenu z mojego powietrza wydychowego. So if I have to wear this mask, I know that I'm automatically I weaken my immune system. So uh, which make, makes me worse and makes my health 15 or even more percent less. Oh yeah, and so 15% of... 20. 16% is about the oxygen, sorry. 16% uh, about is more than 20. But Doktor pyta, ale co wiedziałeś? Czy w ogóle to, to wiedziałeś już, że ta maska i tak nie pomaga przedtem? Nawet jak... Nie, bo do domu przywiozłem maski wojskowe. Wiedziałem, że są do niczego. Oh. You know, he 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 mask, you know, ale wiedziałem, że i tak się nie uszczerzamy w razie czego prawdziwego wirusa, 
bo wirus jest też w razie czego na masce i dookoła nas. So he knows, he knew that even in case of true virus we're not going to protect ourselves with these masks because they are the virus is everywhere and going through it. So he knows from the beginning from the studies that is this mask. Musimy chodzić w chemicznych ubraniach gazoszczelnych. Is it if we have to really protect ourselves we have to work all the time in this you know anti chemical attack clothes which you have to wear it all the time and they're really really good and they help you to prevent any kind of stuff to go inside your body dlatego ubieranie tych kombinezonów malarskich jest bez sensu that's why the all wearing these things is absolutely without any sense of anything Yes, and it's a, when you when you have droplets or so you can get droplets. And if you if a tuberculosis patient who's coughing, if you make a bronchoscopy and you're very close and you get the air with, then you may get infection for sure. Everyone knows that. And in an operation room, when the when the of course the surgeon is cutting in the open on the op, over the open stomach. Mogę potwierdzać to, co mówiłeś. Jeszcze tylko mówi, że że jak na przykład właśnie w podczas operacji kiedy chirurg. Tak, to robiłem zawsze, zawsze zakładam. So he was doing absolutely, yeah, he was. Też nie był pacjenta na przykład, to zawsze zakładam. Or when he was, you know, suing the the patient. The other the other question would be when I when I remember the the difference between summer and winter. People working in a hospital. In winter we had all those flu influenza cases in normal hospital. Normal. There came old people even died from influenza or yeah. pneumonia and so they came mm -hmm. in winter more than in summer but there was no difference in wearing masks in hospital summer and winter and the staff they worked always the same mm -hmm. without mask well, 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 are you asking uh, well, this is what i observed mm -hmm. pan prof doktor zaobserwował to że na przykład nie było różnicy między na przykład latem a w zimą jeśli chodzi o e, ludzi którzy przychodzi z z katarem i tak dalej bo to poza tym przy sezonowych grypach nigdy ludziom nie kazali nosić masek when the seasonal flus and all this stuff which happens every year they Mimo, never told the people to wear the masks no. in any anyway i can tell you how many times i was sick and i was going to uh, uh, my doctor and i've seen the people similar yeah. or even worse than me nobody really cared nobody really put an alarm on it nobody really if you can you close the whole world and, and stuff can, like that so. if you can you stay a little bit further you don't have contact so much you should try to avoid mm -hmm. and either wash your hands and such things it's okay this is nobody did anything about so what happened when you spoke out co się wydarzyło gdy zacząłeś rozmawiać z nami kiedy zrobiłeś pierwszy wywiad ze mną i kiedy napisaliśmy książkę chciano mnie zwolnić z pracy i nadal utrudnia mi się tą pracę coraz bardziej ponieważ mówię prawdę i nauczyłem moich kolegów ratować ludzi they tried to fire me. Mm -hmm. uh, they tried to uh, make uh, all things difficult for me. And for the reason, because I taught any other colleagues that we have to fight for the people, fight for their health, fight for their, you know, uh, well-being. Zabroniono nam podawać tych leków, które kiedyś podawaliśmy w dusznościach. Mm -hmm. They forsaken us to give to the people, to prescribe the people, the patients, the um, the drugs which they help before when they had for example problems with breathing yeah the same drugs mm -hmm. because they worked in this pandemic so that's why they forbidden them to use it 
So cortisone inhalation, such things? Tak samo hydrokortizon, tak samo metazol. Albo leki do inhalacji. So the inhalation the drugs as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're the doctor, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, Zadziwiające jest to, że większość państw robiła tak samo. I ludzie mimo tego, mimo to tego nie widzieli. Um, the, the funny thing is that all the a lot of different countries in the different countries been having the same kind of stuff. But the people seems to not realize that is what is going on. They didn't want to take the truth mm. and they didn't want to compare. I mean, I can add some one thing to it. Listen, I'm always asking Poland uh, we had a war from March, yeah, against, uh, Russian Federation against Ukraine. So that was a time when quite short period, uh, 2.5 millions of Ukrainians crossed the border. They haven't been vaccinated. We don't know what's the stage because nobody checked them on, on them on the border. And you know what? Since the Putin sent the first bomb on Ukraine, COVID-19 is gone in Poland. Okay. So we laughing, we laughing. We, I mean, I hope our viewers gonna take the joke. We laughing that Putin should get the Nobel Prize from epidemiology because his bomb. Listen, I really, I really don't like Putin. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. He stopped pandemic in Poland because two and a half million Ukrainians who crossed the border in a short period of time kill the pandemic. From one day to another on media, the whole COVID-19 nonsense. And they were all. Yeah, they just gone with the wind. Yeah, only for. They said that only 35% of those people who crossed the border been vaccinated, but I don't believe in these numbers at all. Because, uh, and you know what, uh, uh, when the Ministry of Health in Poland, uh, we call him the Minister of Death, really, because of this, you know, this high rate of uh, deaths, um, he said, yeah, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't need to be forced to be vaccinated. So as I always been joking and quite, you know, they didn't like the joke because I said, maybe this virus is so intelligent and only likes Polish people because on Ukraine it doesn't attack them. What about, what about vaccination, so-called vaccination with the stuff of hospitals and, and health care? How is the regulation? How is the regulation? How do the people deal with it in practice? I'm just going to explain before Damian will answer. Yeah, there is, you have to. Take a vaccine if you want to be a medic. Wielu ludzi może stracić pracę, tak jak w innych miejscach w Europie. Albo się zaszczepisz, albo cię wyrzuca. A lot of people can lose the job, like so many places in Europe. If can lose the job, can it will can lose the job. It usually loses the job, but according to the labor law in Poland, there is no such a thing. But then you have to go for the whole justice process, go to court, win the case, that costs a lot of money, that costs a lot of time, and you without a work. So, you know, it's not that obvious, yeah? It, it depends, on my uh, research, it depends who is a chief of hospital, who really, there's a people who are really uh, normal thinking people, and the people who are blindly goes what the government says. So that, that is different. No, but people have yeah. been losing the jobs 
like Damien said. There is no even initiative from mm. the hospitals that they yeah. say, I mean, please, there is a, please stop this, we don't have enough stuff because the stuff leaves because they don't want to be Now they don't even care even more because they have Ukrainians. And, and the political correctness forbidden us to ask are you vaccinated if you're from Ukraine and you are a nurse. I'm not joking, that's what it is. The, the Polish people are being asked if they're vaccinated or not? Uh, to be the Polish people, but you mean in the, in the hospitals? I mean the nurses and. Czy pielęgniarki, czy na przykład właśnie medycy, jak ty? W Polsce bezprawnie odmawiało się ludziom operacji, nawet zwykłym obywatelom, jeżeli nie byli zaszczepieni, mimo że nie ma obowiązku szczepień. W Polsce często nie chciano zbadać człowieka bądź wysłać go na badania gdy nie był zaszczepiony, mimo że nie było obowiązku i nie ma obowiązku szczepień. Okay, if you haven't been vaccinated, many times you've been refused a medical or treatment, or not even a treatment, a surgery. Yeah. If you haven't been vaccinated, you've been refused many times uh, tests, checkups, you know, any kind of thing which you're supposed to uh, show what kind of condition you you are in? Did the doctors in, in in Poland earn with tests? Did they earn money with tests and vaccinations? Czy doktorzy lekarze w Polsce zarabiali na wakcynacji, na, na, na szczepionkach, na szczepieniu? Extra money when they give. Czy na przykład za tym więcej zrobili, zaszczepili ludzi, dostawali więcej pieniędzy za szczepienia? Yes, they 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 had they for they they opłaca się ludzi szczepić. He says it's really really worth to vaccinate people. That's what's the Italian said exactly. I don't know how much for one injection. Nie wiem ile za jedną, za jedną osobę. Dokładnie nie wiem, wiem ile personel dostawał. Także nie wiem, nie ale odpowiem, personel, ale czyli osoby, które... osoba, która dokonywała gdyby tej selekcji wstępnej. Ile kosztowało? Różnie. No ale tak więcej Około 50-60 zł za osobę. Ok, well, the person who was vaccinating people... Ale lekarz i tak dostawał jeszcze więcej. No to... Ok, because we need to... Yeah, that's mm. what Damon said. Uh, the person who was vaccinating pe pe people, the other people who were coming to the to the station, whatever you call it, mm. uh, been given around 50, 60 złotych, which is, it was different because it depends. But on top of it, doctors been given much, much more. There was a, there was a commission in Polish parliament uh, and uh, similar to yours, but I wouldn't, yeah, the people who finding trying to find the truth. Realized that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realized that uh, there was a huge amount of money paid to the doctors for everything, not only the vaccination. There was just unbelievable money. Uh, there was something which you, you cannot even imagine from the German point of view. Co powiedzieliście teraz powiedzieć? Zadziwiające, że przy innych chorobach zakaźnych nie, kład, nie kładziono takiego nacisku na finansowanie tych szczepień. The, the kind of weird thing is that with the other similar diseases, they haven't been put that much attention to vaccination people like for this. This one was special. I mean, we call it, you know, the, the disease, the, the, the new kind of celebrate, <laughs> celebrate how you call it, the superstars, disease. disease. Of course, I'm joking, it's not a mm -hmm. thing to joke about it, but sometimes when you have these facts, when you see it, especially from the Poland, Polish point of view, you've seen these uh, deaths of people.
people who could still carry on living because they couldn't get to the doctor. Simple as that. A lot of people with a stroke, they could prevent it. They could help them out. There's a stories, tears of mothers, etc., mm. etc., et of people who are close uh, relatives to those people who died because they couldn't get yeah. medical attention. Can I ask one more time? Like, so, so the, the people in, in, so the Polish people go to hospital and they do not get treatment because they're not vaccinated. So, and if a Ukrainian person comes, and would they, they would nonetheless get treatment because the status cannot be um, uh, investigated. So, if I'm German or if I'm from South Africa, mm -hmm. does the same, or if I come from another refugee background, basically, does the same political correctness yeah. uh, apply to me as well? Pani pyta bardzo, bardzo dobre, zadaje pytanie, czy, wiadomo, bo już ustaliliśmy to, powiedziałeś to, że Polacy byli odmawiani leczenia, ponieważ nie byli zaszczepieni. Czy to samo dotyczyło Ukraińców i czy to samo, na przykład gdyby pani pochodziła z południowej Afryki, czy pochodziła z jakiegoś innego kraju, który by na przykład był dotknięty wojną, czy to samo by ją spotkało, czy miałoby takie przywileje? Żaden kraj w Europie nie współczuł gdy Amerykanie zrzucali bomby na Syrię i ginęły dzieci. Na tle Ukraińców cała Europa oszalała. Mnie za te poglądy w Polsce nazywa się faszystą, natomiast powiedzmy prawdę, jest to grupa uprzywilejowana ludzi, którzy nie muszą być zaszczepieni, nie musieli mieć testów i zawsze są przyjęci. Ok, nobody shared tear. Nobody shared a tear when America been bombed Syria and, in, and innocent children were dying there. Well, the Ukrainian refugees, whatever Ukrainian, nobody just, you know, they've been treated absolutely. The whole world got crazy about Ukraine. And what Danon says is clearly straightforward. Ukrainians didn't have to do vaccination, didn't have to do our tests, didn't do anything. They've been um, it? Accepted, accepted absolutely from the beginning. Mm -hmm. If there was someone who is Ukrainian, especially in the beginning stage of war, there you go. You have everything. I'm talking from A to Z. Wszystkim narodom trzeba pomagać. Nie można jednych wyróżniać kosztem innych ludzi, tak jak się robi w naszym kraju. Najbardziej cierpią Polacy, a ludzie, którzy zwracają na to uwagę, są karceni w naszym kraju. Every single person from a different kind of nationality has to be served the same way. He says, just want to make it clear, despite the situations. But Polish people been treated much, much worse than the other nations. And when you say something about it, when you say, sorry, it's not fair, uh, you've been called whatever, and you've been, they fighting against you. Irrational, yes. Mm -hmm. It's difficult, you know, to understand when you when you were taught to to think as a from as a, as a medic med, as doctor medical doctor, you everything has to be rational. You have to say when it's like that, you have to do that, and you have to check whether something helps or not, and so you have to to make sure that you what you do is of use and makes sense. Mm -hmm. But this, this is very difficult for doctors, very difficult time for, for people working in hospitals now to, to, to think like that. If they would continue thinking like that, they would have big problems.
Pan doktor mówił, że gdy on na przykład studiował, to wiesz, nauczono go, żeby wszystkich traktować tak samo. Nie też tego nauczono. I to the same way, as you mentioned. Ale tego praktycznie podchodzę, że uwielbia się jeden naród, a nie zwraca na inne narody na świecie, które też cierpią. Because that's why I look in a critical way, a critical eye on it, which is one nation better than above the others, and you don't even look at the direction of the other. It doesn't matter. Patient is patient, and he the, the way he was taught, he was taught like that. It doesn't matter, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to mention color of skin, whatever. If someone needs help, needs help, and you need to deliver the same help to one person, person with one. With two and three. It doesn't matter. Pytanie, komu zależy, by skłócić nasze narody, polski i ukraiński? The komu question, na tym zależy? The question is, who really cares to put some kind of beef against, between two nations, Ukrainian mm -hmm. and Polish? That's the main question. Just to make people angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. They have, to, they, have a, they, have, they have a right to be angry. Because for the two years before that, mm -hmm. we've been refused we've been refused to have any normal, I'm talking about normal basic uh, care. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, Ukrainians have it all. From our change. money. The rules will change. From, yeah, the rules. Imagine you change the rules in football like this. Oh. Doktor mówi, jakbyśmy tak zmienili zasady, zmienione zasady, jakbyśmy tak zmienili zasady w futbolu, to by było to wtedy, nie? Um, and you are still working? And what are your observations with regard to the vaccine um, results? Jakie są twoje obserwacje, jeśli chodzi o zaszczepionych, w ogóle samych szczepionek? Wielu z nas medyków, którzy przyjęli pierwszą, drugą, niektórzy trzecią, obawiają się czwartej, bo wielu ma problemy neurologiczne. Są to osoby młode i kardiologiczne. Tak. Udar, zawał. Wielu z nas, którzy przyjęli te preparaty, mają duże problemy z krążeniem żylnym kończyn dolnych. Many of our paramedics who took the first, second, and fourth, the third dose, are really worried about the fourth one, because they, anyway, they have neurological problems, and what Damian says, they have really problems with the veins down there. I mean, in the legs, huge problems. Yeah. Mój kolega, który pracuje w szpitalu, powiedział, i bardzo długo pracuje w szpitalu, ma duże doświadczenie, powiedział, że nigdy nie spotkał się z tak dużą ilością nagłych zgonów w grupie osób od 30 do 40 roku życia, jak w ostatnim roku. Mój przyjaciel, który pracuje bardzo długo w szpitalu, ma duże doświadczenie. In being paramedic is someone who, you know, delivers the help. Never seen his in his life such a high rate of deaths in people between 30 and 40 years old. Sudden deaths. Sudden deaths. Pojawił się nawet taki termin w Polsce nagły zgon dorosłych bez diagnostyki. There was a term, the short term in Polish medicine, a sudden death without any diagnostic. That's the term. Not only in Poland. What about appendicitis? Acute appendicitis. Was it? Did was it observed that it gets more? Have you have you the impression? Appendix. 
Let's have a look, sorry, because not, yeah, yeah. you know I'm not a medical uh, kind of guy. How to say it in Polish? Yeah, yeah, just. Uh, we have a look. Yeah. So the last part of the uh, intestines, you know, of this thick thing, and then it sometimes gets inflammation, and then. Znam osobiście, ale to jest kilka osób, które w ostatnim okresie faktycznie ma problemy z niedrożnością, problemy z trawieniem, ale nie odniosę się do tego tematu. Nie mam takiej wiedzy, żeby powiedzieć, że czegoś jest więcej. He's a specialist here. <laughs> yeah, appendicitis. Because he, sorry, there's a lot of things. I mean, a lot of uh, stuff uh, happening to uh, young people. Um, um, yeah, we call it, there is a new virus in Poland. Sudden death. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. It's not about only young people. And you know, uh, it's about uh, between any people who is always the same. We're always asking the question. Did was he vaccinated? Was she vaccinated? And usually, no, zapomnij proszę, wątpię. Okay, tak. Czy co jest? Nie, nie zauważyłem. No, 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 not so many. Okay, let's go. Zapalanie wyrodu. The clinical studies they observed a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. Usually, do we call it? There is a new virus in town, sudden death. And so like, what is the, um, the 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 mood now in Poland? I mean, are they trying to introduce like new measures, and how are people seeing both the Corona situation and both uh, and then the um, um, the vaccine jaka jest, problem? Jaki jest panuje rodzaj takiego wiesz nastawienia w Polsce teraz? Czy wprowadzają nowe jakieś obostrzenia? Czy wprowadzają jakieś nowe zasady? Prawdopodobnie zostanie wprowadzona zasada, że powyżej 12 roku życia będą już wszyscy mogli się szczepić. Teraz jest chyba od 65 roku życia. Chodzi o ten czwarty, czwartą dawkę. Jeśli chodzi o czwartą dawkę, będą wprowadzić zasadę, że jeśli jesteś 12 lat, możesz to zrobić. Ale jeśli pytasz mnie o to, to znaczy, że propaganda robi... You know, I'm a journalist for more than 20 years. I started as a high school kid in a public radio station. And I never ever imagined, because, you know, in high school I was taught about Stalinism, Soviet propaganda, what to, not to do. Imagine that the, when I was a kid in a public radio station in my hometown, the post-communists were been teaching me what not to do as a journalist, especially in the radio station. And I never imagined a party which called themselves a law and justice, which is in power now, uh, will leave Stalin behind. Will be something, create a propaganda which works because makes people like zombies. I don't understand. I don't know if it's Germany is like that. What is in the streets of Poland? Do you see resistance there? Are no, people the people are afraid. Tak, te, nie, czy jest jakaś opozycja na ulicach? No. In general, no. I mean, there is some. Okay. There is some, you know, I would say, small kind of groups which they still oppose in there, uh, organizing their rallies, marches. But 
Ludziom w Polsce się płaci poprzez zwiększony socjal. Yeah, they, they, what they did, what Damon just really good said it now, they, they gave the biggest social money. And they shut them up with the money. Yeah? But the people don't see it, the inflation, they don't see the, that everything's falling apart, that the small and middle enterprises are going down and they're closing up. People don't see that. Propaganda is huge. Now we have this crisis with uh, with the coil, with uh, energy that you know people don't 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 doesn't add up. In, in your in your television, you don't have the you don't see pictures of the of the manifestation in other countries. Yeah, we do. We do it the live. The in Netherlands. No, we do it. Yeah, we do it. I mean, you know, last time my correspondent from uh, uh, from Amsterdam, mm -hmm. Eva. Uh, she was telling that in uh, Holland, I mean, I should say Netherlands now, yeah. uh, changed uh, a lot because mm -hmm. from the zombies, uh, the nation turned against the government because there was a thing with these farmers. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you need to, we need to understand on whoever sees us. It's not about this pandemic. We, of course, we talk about it, vaccination. It's about taking, I call it, uh, implementing a digital neo-marxism that's my that it's a totalitarianism whatever but marxism in itself yeah, Marx, to my Marx mind is yeah it's just a philosophy <laughs> yeah but let's say it okay new kind of communism which will be a something we've never seen before or never endure before and that's what it is now and the people don't see it because what i just trying to explain to them look they're going for your property your personal property, like those people in Holland. They're not asking a question. They said, you have a this, this and that, get out of here. They absolutely have no right to do it. Imagine whatever you have, it, your home, you, you, uh, you heir it from your forefathers. It's yours. It's absolutely yours without any doubt. And they come into you and say, sorry, you have a 48 hours to get out of here because we decided to take it, it's, destroy it because yeah, of whatever the reason is. It's not good for ecology. Yeah, it. oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you cannot have uh, cows because they were creating for their farting. Yeah, that's it. And uh, they are creating, you know, come on. I mean, you know, I never thought this kind of, pardon my French, bullshit will ever will be there. But it is. And that's, that's another thing. And can I ask you, like, do you have the same like energy uh, price increases or like inflation? Let's put it this: imagine that Polish earns less than in Germany, and there's a difference, okay. huge difference. Europe, yeah. Can you, can um, let me say, diesel. One and a half euro. Oh, so a little bit cheaper than. A little bit cheaper, yeah. It is a little bit cheaper, but yeah, well, that's what I said. It. Yeah, we earn. That's what Davin says. Well, we earn much less than in Germany. Then, then you know, the constant one yeah. is really lower than. The import. load for the people is the same. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 the obvious thing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the energy prices. Um, there was a few bakeries bakeries, family bakeries, mm -hmm. owned from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. They closed up mm -hmm. because from one month to another, the energy price went 800%. Polska rozkrada się z dóbr naturalnych, z drewna, z węgla. Wmawia nam się, że niczego nie mamy, że trzeba to eksportować. 
Natomiast nie korzysta się z tego, co mamy, a naszym złotem jest węgiel. Uh, yeah, no, the Poland's been robbed from wood, coal, any other sources. Uh, in media they say we got nothing, but when you look at it, I'll give you an example. I mean, he didn't say that, but I added to it. According to even our president, who said it, admitted, we have a coil for 200 years mm -hmm. down there, and we could take it out. Mm -hmm. Most of the mines have been closed. Most of the mines have been closed. And uh, we could have never, ever problem with this problem with energy. We could sell to Germany, all over the Europe, and be in a, the, one of the wealthiest countries in the world because of this coil. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, we're not. Why? If I'm going to tell you the truth, you will, someone will say, Piotr is a terror, uh, conspiracy terrorist. Korporacje międzynarodowe nie pozwalają nam, żebyśmy się bogacili na naszych dobrach naturalnych. Chcą, żebyśmy byli biedni i posłuszni. I robią to od wielu lat z tym narodem. Uh, yeah, in terms of Polish nation, the global corporations do everything to, uh, to stop the Polish people, to get them richer, wealthier. And, um, and they do to everything to prevent that we could rise up, you know, in normal power. And we have to be very careful because this DVD at impera, this make the people struggle against yeah. each other. Yeah. They will try to, to, to divide, to divide Europe. They will say that, that the Polish fight against the Germans, that the Germans yeah. fight against the French, that they will start to, yeah. to make trouble. That's what they do against between uh, us and Ukrainians now. We should not believe them and yeah. stay friends. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even with the Russian. Even with the Russian. Oh, oh you're Putin's guy I know, now. I know, I'm joking, because I whatever know, you say. I was in the Council of Europe, mm. and Russia is a European country. And they were member of the Council of Europe. They, yeah, but the they were is, member, and they were, there were lots of fights. There mm -hmm. were fights against Erdogan. There were fights against Putin, mm -hmm. and there were fights against Ukrainian, the, the, the blonde woman, with the, the corrupt yeah, woman, yeah, yeah. through with this, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 And there were so many. We were, we were criticizing. It was a very. It was a. Yes, it was a very, a very vivid discussion always. There were politicians from all countries, and all all the oppositions are there too. Mm -hmm. It's not only the governments in the Council of Europe, but they are oppositions. And Timoshenko was her name. It was, Timoshenko. yes, Timoshenko. And so there was lots of critics, this government, that government, and, and always like this was normal. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, and we were so happy that this, this, this wall between East and West was gone, and there was Europe. Are we live now? Yes, we are live. Okay, so if you want me to, I will sell you a new, uh, really news, big news. Uh, what kind of... Um, stage or place that Poland is. Poland is completely forbidden to do any kind of thing with Russia. Yeah? Mm. But yesterday, one of the quite prestigious daily magazines on the internet published article that the Russian company paying the money to Ukrainian company for, for what? To transit the gas through Ukraine to Czech Republic. They just bypass like this. Yeah, but no, I'm talking about through Ukrainian territory mm. to Czech Republic. Mm. They paid it and they took the money. I thought, first of all, it's just uh, some kind of joke. It's such weird. So there's so yeah, much so, lies. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my teacher taught me one thing. 
very good stuff in the beginning of my studies. Remember, the politics now and what is happening is a jungle of mirrors. And it's what it is. You never know who does the business with who and who fights with who. And that's what it is now. You know, those, those caviar politics from Azerbaijan we had. All I know, all I know, the whole free people, according to, to what, you know, all I know, all the free people all around the world should join together because if we not, in despite of whatever you believe, or color, skin, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm. What I believe, they should get together because otherwise we're gonna be as slaves or we're not going to be no more. You know, those people living in the country on one side of the border and on the other side of the border where now the, the, the airplanes fly and bomb and bomb and there are those people still working in their fields, still living in their towns, they're doing their job. They don't want war. There's no normal Ukrainian people or no normal Russian people who want to war with each other. Nobody's interested. It's not their thing. Yeah. It's some people who are interested in having this war, who are, earn, who are earning money with this war, who have interest with, with making big business. And they misuse the people who want to be, they would like, the people would be so happy if those leaders would come and negotiate. And even if they go in the box ring and Putin and some, if they start boxing, yeah, yeah. they can't do, they can kill themselves. Yeah, but they do it there. And then somebody will will, and then we have peace again. But this what what they, they they make us they make the people they torture the people, and they make the people suffer because of interests that are not the interests of the people. Polak z Polakiem, Polak z Niemcem, Niemiec z Ukraińcem, my się wszyscy dogadamy, ale to politykom zależy na tym, żebyśmy się zawsze między sobą kłócili, i to oni generują wojnę. A skoro chcą tej wojny, to tak jak pan powiedział. So the Polish, with, Pol with Polish always get to find a reason together. Pol with Ukrainian will find a reason together. Pol with German will find a reason together. But the politicians are the ones who are forcing us to war. So like yeah. you just said, and that's what he said, if they want to war, take yourselves, politicians, and fight between each other because what, we don't want that. You know, there are always conflicts and envy between neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know they have a power over us because they have a police and they have a, uh, you know, army. But the police are, I mean, basically also our people. I mean, you know, it really depends on the attitude yeah. or the, I mean, the but, mindset. You know, the thing is, yeah, but the police are just our people. Sometimes manipulated. Yeah. We look at the Polish police. But yeah, but force. we spoke also to people from the Polish military. Until they're not going to take away their families, they're not going to understand or they will keep it quiet. I mean, yeah, we talk a lot of, to, I talk to a lot of to police, policemen in Poland, yeah, and they realized, I mean, there was this stupid law uh, last year, if you didn't have a mask, uh, you get the penalty, 50 złoty, 100, 500 złoty, 500 złoty is around 125 euros, yeah, so for the cost of living in Poland and, and all the budget a in, is a lot of money, you know, um, and there was a funny thing, so of course, after some fights with police, I realized I went to the doctor and I said, sorry, I have a problem, some traumatic experience with this mask, I cannot wear it, <laughs> so I had this always, every time I was showing to the uh, police guys, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but a lot of people didn't, they have a cases in the courtroom because they refused to take the penalty, 
uh, and the police lost a lot of, uh, I would say it, um, um, good things among credibility. Uh, yeah, credibility, credibility among the uh, normal Polish person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so because of it, because they forced this mask, which is you know. You know what is dangerous when the people don't. Mm -hmm. But if they feel offended by that police, I would normally. I will. I'm proud that I live in a state where I have good police that make me feel safe and helps me that there is no one criminal and so. But if the if the people see that when they use their rights, they go demonstrating, have a shit, and so, and some politicians say, beat them, and the police has to do this. It's horrible for for the policemen too. It's for their image in in the population. It's very horrible. Of course. Yeah. So that's what happened. They lost the credibility and an honor in Poland. So in some ways. Yeah. Wow, that's that was uh, very interesting. Um, is is there anything you would like to remark um, at the end of now? Niech media przestaną pokazywać medialną epidemię i może ktoś zajmie się tymi, którzy to zaplanowali. Let the media, bo myślisz na mainstreamowe media. Mainstreamowe. Okay, when the mainstream media start showing the media, I mean epidemic in media, stop lying, simple as that, and start chasing the people who are responsible for it. Nas jest więcej niż ich. Niestety, za bardzo się ich boimy. Nie ma wśród nas tych, którzy są w stanie poświęcić swoje życie, żeby dać życie innym osobom. There is, like us, more, but there's a lot of, of us afraid to do anything. And there's not so many people who are not too afraid to put their lives on a stake just for save many other lives. So that's what Damien said. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it comes to me, oh, there are a million things I would like to say in this program, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, the thing is, uh, we're here in Vienna today, uh, we talk about, uh, I'm so glad to meet a lot of fantastic journalists, uh, because many times I feel like, not alone, but in really, really small minority, and here I feel less of it. Let's grow. Uh, yeah, let's grow, and you know what? It looks like a dark times in the front of us, but I still have a hope. We need to press on. We yes. need to press on. If there was a station like ours, which is Vralu 24 in Poland, which we could have remembered the beginning of this madness, and we had, for five days, audience bigger than the mainstream, for five days, yeah? Uh, because we did some interviews. Uh, uh, I remember your interview with you, Dr. Vodark, was uh, last two weeks <laughs> on our channel. I mean, there was like uh, 400,000 people have seen it, but lasted two weeks, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but it's still, we, we have this, 
opportunity and courage, and I've seen a lot of courage among my colleagues mm. from the different countries. Mm. Mm. I enjoyed so much the world. I was in Krakow, I was in Warsaw, and in Gdynia. Yeah, in, in the I remember that. And, and there, there were many people, and they come in, and, and they all, and they came afterwards. They say congratulations and a hug. Yeah, and because you. It was in January. Because you've been the one of the first. And I remember when I, when I did the show with my correspondent yeah. from Germany, uh, which was. And beginning of April, end of March, uh, there was uh, about you and about Professor Bagdi, mm -hmm. yeah. And this show ended up on a two million point hundred thousand viewers. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, you become like uh, someone who is whistleblower. I mean, in the sense of who says truth about it. So that's why you had this, the response in Poland. I want to tell the whole truth. Because uh, when I was, I'd finished my travels to mm. Poland, mm. I got fever. I got very strong flu. Oh. I was very ill. Okay. I had to go to bed for three days. And I made the test. And it was, was negative. <laughs> <laughs> so there are other viruses still alive. And in winter, and when you meet hundreds of people and say hello oh, no. and Damien would like to say something more, if but you don't mind. Always, you know, I used to make such a monitoring uh, with the. So I was always having the phone call to mm -hmm. all to all uh, institutions in my town, mm -hmm. and they. I always asked them, "Are there more cases? Are there more cases in school? Are there more cases mm -hmm. in your yeah, factory?" Yeah. And so, and so I always knew what's going on, and when some when when they said yes, there are more people ill. They recognize it in school and in, in mm -hmm. enterprises. They, I, I called the, the Lord Mayor of the town and said, don't have your meeting with, your, with the citizens. Normally, in, mm -hmm. in the beginning of the year, they have meeting and they shake hands, thousands mm -hmm. of people. I said, you will, be get, you will get ill if you take, shake, take uh, thousands <laughs> of hands now. So he postponed it. I have <laughs> <laughs> Ci nasi politycy, polscy, nie tylko polscy i ci światowi, którzy nie są medykami, przestali w końcu mówić nam, jak mamy leczyć, bo oni nie mają o tym pojęcia. My prawdziwą epidemię zobaczymy i wtedy powiemy ludziom w odpowiednim momencie i żaden polityk nawet nosa wtedy nie wystawi, bo będzie się bał prawdziwego wirusa, którego stworzy przyroda. I have this kind of dream which the politicians will stop involving us in their dirty games and start telling us how to cure you know, the people because they have no clue about it. If there's going to be really epidemic, we going to tell the people straight on because we're going to be the first cases or we're going to be there. there. And uh, if there will be a real epidemic, that's what Damien said, trust me. The all politicians will never get their noses out of the bunker. Yeah, there has never been a pandemic. Never. Never. They have many, many outbreaks mm -hmm. all over the world. People are traveling. Yeah. And they, when in Australia there is winter, they get the flu, and then they come, and then they come to Europe, and there is summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they carry, they carry the virus, but the European you know, they have the virus, or, I mean, so we, they know, don't get. I've flu, never been kind of involved in journalism <laughs> in terms of medical uh, stuff. When it all happened, I took few books about epidemiology. Yeah, the basic ones which the students on the first year or second year are studying. I just started to read it. I looked at it everywhere, and I asked the question: What kind of madness is going on? Am I in a, some kind of movie? 
yeah. a really cheap movie, kind of horror movie, or yeah. kind of, you know? And then I just realized, and then start calling people like Damon. Guys, you yeah. have more deaths in the hospitals all over the Poland. Yes, yes, yes. Just investigate it. <laughs> and one funny friend of mine is to pick it up the phone and says, Are you gotta be kidding me? We playing games, card games, we smoke cigarettes, we got nothing to do. And you know what? In 2020 and 20, I used to do a show live. We sometimes do it with the phones. People call in, we have a subject, and people call in and say what they think about it. <laughs> and one lady calls and said, Listen, I, uh, from generation to generation, I uh, have a company which is buried the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. It's June 2020. Mm -hmm. And so she says, there is no pandemic, sir. We got nothing to do. Because I asked myself a normal question. Uh, I asked myself a normal question. What, when we have a pandemic, if the people die a lot, yes. yeah, from my perspective, I'm not a med, um, uh, any kind of uh, medical guy, paramedic, yes. doctor, whatever, yes. said, should be a lot of deaths. We should be um, experience that. It was none. This is what I routine, this is my routine. Mm -hmm. I started immediately yeah. Yeah. in 2003, in 2005, in 2009, always when there was somebody talked about pandemic. I was doing exactly this check. As a, as yeah, a, as a boss of a public health institution, you have to know what's going yeah. on. And you have to prepare this and you have to do this every year. You have to monitor what's going on. You have to know where you call to know what's going on in schools, in hospitals, in the, with the undertakers. With, you have to know the, 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 where to get the information. We have this, what I wanted to say, if, you, if I, I don't know if we finished, but what I wanted to say, if you, if you don't mind really, I want to mention one gentleman who was, who's not with us anymore. His name is Big, Dr. Zbigniew Hawat. He used to be a vice minister of health in the beginning of 90s. He created all the program in case of any epidemi epidemiology, uh, epidemic in Poland. For Kovac? Um, was he with Mrs. Kovac? Uh, no, 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 no. It was Hawat. Hawat, oh, yeah. his surname. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was chief of this uh, place which supposed to call if the, any epidemic will come. Mm -hmm. And he explained us everything. He wasn't a part of a system. He explained us why it all happened. And I want to mention him because he's not with us anymore. And the uh, situation with his death raised a lot of questions because he says a lot of about vaccines. He just, he, he wasn't playing around. He says, whoever says he's an epidemic mm -hmm. shouldn't be stripped off from the doctor degree did, or whatever. Did, did I meet him when I was there? I think he did. Or, you had a chance because he's still like still that. alive there, there he was like really he had experience because he was going to africa and he was fighting against a true epidemic mm -hmm. and he was really huge experience in this kind of cases mm -hmm. in this kind of stories i that's why in, if i may I just mention him because it's really important for the people like me or damian who we are fighting for the truth and he was we miss him a lot because he support his knowledge was absolutely uh, something really important for us. Well, 
the fight will continue. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and I think it's great that we had the opportunity to it's talk to you today. It's our pleasure. And I never thought that I'm gonna, in the beginning, I'm gonna sit down with you two on the, by the yeah. table and gonna have the normal conversation. It's a pleasure and honor. And uh, on my behalf, I would like to uh, um, say thank you for what you're doing, despite this interview. Uh, I want to thank you that you are so brave to step on and shout out all these things and ask about uh, all these things which is Just happening. Acting. Thank you very much for that, guys. Just acting rational. Yeah, but you know... Those people who do not do the right things, they are not, they are not, they are very uh, at risk. And you know? Damien is one and of the bravest to, we guys... We try to be safe made. to do the right thing. Because things. trust me, it's not so many Polish people who are like Damien said, in the front of us, and it says, listen, I'm doing this job for 20 years, and nobody can fool me. That's what he says. <laughs> yes, That's what he says in the book. We put him on a cover story, uh, cover. He's, you know, he has a lot of problems with his job, yes. but uh, he's a brave man, one of the bravest now in Poland. So that, thank, thank you very you. much to Holt Thank you so much for the opportunity today. Thank you very much. Thank you guys, all the best. Fantastic. So we have another live guest. Um, okay. I think it's. Thank uh, you very much. Kate. I think the it's you now, Edgy Gardner. Gläser für die, für die Gäste auch. Ich glaube, die sind alle noch nicht benutzt. Achso. Möchtest du noch einen Kaffee? Nee. Er kommt jetzt als nächstes. Jetzt kommt Bert Egert, ne? Ah ja, ist er schon da? Ja, er ist da. So ja. jetzt oh, ja, das kommt ja. unser nächster Gast. Hallo. Hallo. Hallo, es geht weiter auf Deutsch. Das ist gut. Das ist einfach. I'd like to pick up on from what we just discussed. There was a discussion about pharmaceutical companies which pay a penalty when they've done something criminal, particularly they're being punished in the United States, less so in Germany. And they also have to pay um, recompensation for damages. So there was like this very nice graphic published in the German magazine, news magazine, the Spiegel. I mean, you see the big companies and how many penalties they've been paying, how much they've been fined. I mean, we speak about rational choices and that they, they behave in a rational way. I mean, they just take it into their stride and uh, I mean, add it up to the, to, the, to the bill. I mean, they put it, they add it to the, to charge it to the customers. I have closely followed up on this with Mark. Which is the company with the biggest fines? GlaxoSmithKline, isn't it? Where is Pfizer, for example? So it's next in line. So that it's for, for, for Pfizer, the balance between what they have had to pay in fines and the profits they've been making, I mean, it's worse for Pfizer than for GlaxoSmithKline. That was in 2016. I mean, we'd have to take another look at it. You know. For Merck, we'd have to add later on that they had this scandal around the the uh, painkillers, Viox. I, I uh, made a film about this. It was very extremely fascinating. I mean, many of these things extend into 
the current time. I mean, there are many, many thing, issues where we've experienced that things were dysfunctional before Corona. I, I had some, yeah, and I had to go to an orthopedic surgery once, surgeon once, I mean, he, he prescribed something to me and I didn't know what it was and I'd never taken care of what it was and I swallowed it. And I they, they twisted something in my body. I mean, and, and then I felt that okay, there were like there were disturbances, and then 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 then, then, then I immediately stopped taking it. And then dozens and, and hundreds of people died from taking that medication. Yeah, right. So my, I don't know. I mean, we, we are quite familiar with each other. We've we've already met each other before. So maybe you might introduce yourself. What have you been doing before? You have been quite active as a filmmaker, as a director before. I'm Bert Egartner. I live somewhere close to Berlin, uh, to Vienna. I started working as a journalist in the late 80s, and I very quickly started to focus on medical journalism and health issues. Also, I followed an educational course on evidence-based medicine and how you work um, statistically uh, evidence-based medically. And so I would learn all these statistical instruments. So I have a rather mathematical approach to medicine, which is always very much related to logic. And many things have happened where I told myself, oh, where did I end up? What is this kind of area I've ended up in? So it was some kind of um, eye opener where I told myself, well, that's impossible. As in the beginning of my career, I wrote an article about the vaccination against ticks, FSME, which has been invented here, which is quite popular in Austria. We have the broken world records where a vaccination quote where we'd have to, um, you'd have to pay it out of your own pockets. So in Germany has then followed suit later on. So I described its advantages and disadvantages, and I've taken a critical stance. And I said that the Swiss don't mm, create such a hype around that, even though they have the ticks as well. And then I've been sued for an amount of uh, one million shillings. Usually, it's it's the, the publishing house that's been sued. And in this case, it was me, because they wanted to state an example. Uh, and then it was get got postponed year after year, and and I prepared myself for a year because I didn't want to lose that case. And then I told myself it's an abyss. I mean, where we observe how it is research is being done. At the time, it was Baxter, an American uh, company that was later on swallowed by Pfizer. They used to have their production sites in Austria, close to Vienna, and the head of the research department told me if I. I mean, because I requested to see certain studies because I knew that they'd been contacted. She told me, we do not do these studies to inform the public, but to be able to have our medication and our products admitted and um, certified. So it was all only done to get this onto the market. So that is when I told myself, okay, that's where you have to stay in this field of medicine because apparently it seems to be the case that the better the image is, the more you are able to make business. And regarding vaccines and vaccination, the image is extremely good. 
and when someone comes along and says, oh, now I have a vaccine, I mean, you, you, you save millions and billions of, of euros and dollars on the advertising. So there was also this uh, film about the vaccination against cancer, right? And uh, uh, HPV vaccination, how is it? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help at all, no? I don't know really, but what is the current state of affairs here? Well, that was the point in time when I got in touch with Merck. After this disaster uh, around Viox, they had to pay billions in fines, and they were down on their knees somehow, and then they were, they were sh on shaky legs. I mean, they needed a, a blockbuster, uh, so they had in the pipeline Garda Seal, that was the first vaccination against any kind of cancer, and then they did their research, their studies, and it was incredible what kind of insolency they put into place to, to plan the design of their studies, because they absolutely wanted to come up with success and this blockbuster, and they, in the end they succeeded. So they had um, aluminium adjuvants, such as they are contained in two-thirds of any vaccine, and uh, we then uh, found out that there is a rather strange phenomenon happening that immune system is not attacking the HPV, but rather after a few months it, it ends up when it's done with the viruses, it, it just stops working. And that, that was not something that pleased the developers of this vaccine because they wanted to get attacking immediately. And then they developed a new kind of aluminium compound where they ended in sulfate and phosphor. And it's a rather unstable uh, compound, which is um, a lot more toxic. And then they add, they, they lead to, to cell death. And it's because they st stimulate the immune system more immediately, and that's what they added into Gardel diesel, and it has never been checked for security and safety, and so they immediately tested it on human beings. There are also these additives that are not approved for human uh, use, but only for technical use, and they haven't been tested as well. But the effect of these uh, compounds, these uh, uh, strengtheners, uh, it's being used uh, to uh, set up, uh, to alarm the immune system, uh, because this vaccine, this compound, this agent is inactive, uh, viruses, uh, uh, virus-like particles, they are called, and Normally, when you uh, get a vaccine without an additive, you, it wouldn't be ignored um, by the immune system, so it would be uh, um, uh, discarded without any immune reaction, but uh, uh, so uh, this um, aluminium additive is the biggest share, this adjuvant, uh, this, uh, um, and then it, uh, it leads to cell death, it leads to infection, and then 
uh, immune cells, millions of them are being alarmed. There is a huge alarm in the uh, in the organism, and then the um, viruses are being taken seriously. So it, the same was uh, for um, the uh, agents in uh, pig vaccines, and uh, they they take uh, uh, higher doses, and they they uh, as a consequence needed a lower antigen doses, and uh, and these uh, doriactor uh, viruses at Novartis uh, were hardly being used. So. Uh, when people are afraid, they want to sell um, their products quickly because if you can't react to the business, then it's gone. And uh, therefore, they prepared it and they needed a quick production and the mRNA particles can be produced very quickly and cheaply. So it's a, um, a genius solution. And before they had the um, uh, the flu um, vaccines and they with a lower doses and uh, so they really sort of tickled the immune system and uh, and uh, and also that led to uh, narcoleptic uh, uh, cases and uh, as a consequence of these additives. Uh, so the same goes uh, for this Gardasil vaccination. Aluminium doesn't cost anything. And um, and then they found out with Gardasil, there has been a 10-year record. 2007, it was introduced in Germany first time. And the STIKO recommended it for the, as the first European country. 10 years later, there was a study where they found out that there were no antibodies left against one of these uh, two uh, cancer viruses. So they have developed a new Gardasil uh, vaccine, improved, which contained double the amount of uh, uh, aluminium to sort of to tickle the immune system. And uh, there is no risk consciousness. And there is also in the official institutions. And uh, when it comes to corona vaccines, they just passed it and introduced it. I don't know if you know it, but in the control group, they call it placebo group. They used the same new um, aluminum um, compound as in Gardasil. So they had the same side effect. So we had a same, we had a side effect rate of 2.3% of the participants, 20,000 young women and uh, girls, and every 41st has got a new anti-immune uh, sickness within two years. And uh, they said in the placebo group, they also had 2.3% autoimmune problems, and therefore it's no problem. And uh, so it's the background noise, so to speak. Um, it's a matrix they use in clinical studies. Um, it's unbelievable what is happening. And uh, there was also a parallel to the corona times. When I made the film, I uh, talked to, uh, I accompanied a Danish uh, group of doctors uh, and uh, 
where they found out that many women had autoimmune systems and uh, problems and uh, they have uh, extreme tiredness and uh, and uh, the blood pressure volat uh, a very volatile blood pressure and uh, and uh, women who could not get up any longer and uh, their life quality went down to zero and um, and they had to sit in the wheelchair, a very bad fate. MS was also found, and uh, mainly it's autoimmune phenomena. And um, so the scientist who researched it in Denmark, he looked uh, for a way, he was a specialist in uh, auto autonomous nerve system, and he found out uh, that there is a special type of antibodies, and they tried to find a, um, a medical solution. There's also the, the uh, possibility of an immune absorption where you can wash the blood and remove all antibodies. But um, it uh, has a lot of side effects and it's also very expensive and uh, very um, uh, complicated. People have to pay it themselves and a lot of people who are, uh, have side effects from corona. And now they found a, a, an agent um, and that they found very interesting uh, because they wanted to neutralize the auto uh, antibodies. And the scientist was very surprised because he said he rarely found a medical uh, uh, agent that had no side effects or no knowledge, uh, known side effects. And um, it's possible due to the fact that these, nobody needs these auto antibodies. It's a bit like uh, blocking an enzyme and it's docked to somewhere. I mean, these autoantibodies have receptors and uh, that's where they can dock onto. And so is this a, um, a, a, medical, uh, a medical cure that they can dock to the antibodies? Yes, and neutralizes them and um, so these are called these antibodies against this uh, DBD1 receptor um, and uh, these are special anti a special type of autoantibodies and they found that uh, during the corona infections they also appear and also very often after the vaccination. Um, they're being found, and uh, so the interesting thing is that uh, the University of Erlangen wanted to carry out a study on this uh, medicine, but uh, not uh, when it came to the uh, vaccine, vaccine damages uh, from autoimmune uh, uh, defects, but they specialized in long COVID. And uh, I called the company and I asked them, what do you think about it? And uh, 
they said that, yeah, we wanted to do something similar. We want to have a medicine approved, but it's so expensive, we can't uh, finance it. We need sponsors. And he said, long COVID has a better image than uh, damages from vaccination. So there have been several studies that I noticed uh, where they don't differentiate. Uh, it was about long COVID. They had a positive PCR test and they had complaints. And uh, so these are the two criteria where a lot of things are being summarized under the headline of long COVID. And uh, so it was the case that they didn't differentiate in their studies whether they had been vaccinated or not, whether they produced spikes uh, due to the vaccination, whether the nanoparticles uh, were found or not. Um, well, of course, it's correct if they had a positive PCR test result and complaints. We also know that people who had the spikes uh, uh, were infected by COVID. But if you look and you want to differentiate from between long COVID to uh, acute uh, flu-like symptoms and then treat them also accordingly because they lead to autoimmune results. So it's important whether the, uh, the vaccination plays a role or not. And that's not mentioned in the studies, not in the design. It's not seen as a problem. It's being left out. And uh, I think two or three studies I found uh, where I thought it can't be right. And I also asked the chief, the boss of the company, I asked, I said, long COVID is like a mixed form. Um, it's also quite, uh, uh, it easily leads to uh, psychosomatic problems like boreosis and, uh, and in Europe and uh, USA. Um, you found it very often, and it was also quite logical. I talked to people in the U.S., to experts, and they said uh, there are patient self-help groups. Uh, they are, uh, uh, want to uh, get the antibiotic therapy for life because uh, the uh, uh, health insurance wanted to no longer pay it. So these are phenomena that also, um, you know, are part of the psychology. And uh, so this is why we have the common federal uh, committee. And because uh, the health insurers say we don't want to pay for it, there is not enough evidence. And the doctors say, yes, it can be done. So they are opposing. And then there is the patient's bank and they also contribute and ask questions. And then they um, uh, ask an institute to uh, uh, come up with the current state of the science and, uh, and clarify certain questions. And that takes months sometimes, but it's done in a very um, uh, good, rigid way. And with a lot of things, it's not done in this way. And since we had... Uh, Corona equity is being an outsider. They played no role. I've saw interviews with their uh, 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 
head and uh, he said uh, it seems to play doesn't seem to play a role any longer evidence uh, is no longer asked for and uh, so and they they claim they are uh, scientists and uh, professors and uh, and uh, working according to the rules and regulations to uh, science and they should be open for criticism they should be grateful for criticism so uh, that they can certain that they uh, make the right recommendations and uh, and when somebody comes uh, you know and says what you are doing is not correct and you should be grateful and say this you know is what i have to consider and acknowledge that's the normal position but that's being blocked now uh, so yeah it's being neglected really so borreliosis uh, is this uh, uh, yes it's real um, it's this red uh, mark that you get and you can see it um, and it's an acute defense line of the immune system that leads to these red spots and uh, inflammations and uh, but um, and it can also um, have a immun immunological effect in your joints, in your bodies. But the symptoms uh, with the positive uh, values, there are parameters. Uh, and if there is anything positive, then you can say that uh, uh, it's a, uh, a summary for all kinds of complaints and uh, you have to ask, uh, well, I worked with a German expert for borreliosis and uh, in Heidelberg and uh, he, he measured about 20,000 inhabitants whether they had antibodies against uh, borreliosis and he found 16% of the population that were positive and uh, for all of them he prescribed uh, antibiotics and uh, they could not really remember that they were bitten by a tick or and they uh, were they got these infusions and uh, and I talked to them and there was not a single one who said uh, uh, that the complaints improved that anything got better so it's also another matter if something gets sort of chronified and uh, well you have to see whether the study is uh, properly designed, whether they left anything out, or there's this famous story of the number of uh, uh, births uh, is related to the number of stock in the region. But I mean, uh, so um, whether there's a causal connection. And uh, in Freiburg, I heard a very good uh, presentation um, where they looked at different uh, bias types, uh, intention bias, etc., etc. There are a lot of uh, causes for faults, uh, for mistakes that you uh, ignore. 
very often. And uh, so that uh, according to that 80% of all the scientific results are wrong. So the former head of uh, ICWIC, Mr. Davidsky, he said we would have a lot to investigate, uh, well, 50% more than 50% was his estimate of the medicine that we used have not been uh, investigated and, uh, you know, uh, uh, have no effect. and. Uh, uh, possibly, and uh, you could see also this was a first revolt uh, of the pharma lobby then, and then in the US, uh, Obama was president, uh, um, and uh, the American Pharma Federation was afraid that Germany would uh, uh, become a, a, a uh, undesired state, and uh, as long as Mr. Davidsky would uh, remain the chief. And then there was a change of government in Germany, and then uh, uh, and Rüssler was a vice chancellor, and he's now at the World Economic Forum uh, in some role, probably on the board. And uh, yes, and the first thing they did is uh, uh, to um, fire Zavitsky under some false pretense and uh, because he didn't pay taxes apparently and uh, yes these are things where you could see how strong they become you could also see in the vaccination area you could see this 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 holy cow this really built up uh, for a time uh, um, vaccination criticism was allowed then it became more difficult and then it was started to uh, go for the opponents i am a, an opponent of cholesterol and uh, yeah i'm against salt uh, but when it comes to corona it sounds as if, uh, I don't know if it's that promising to be successful, but it's very difficult to find sponsors and uh, it could be a super business, it could be very successful, but it doesn't seem to be easy to find um, uh, sponsors because uh, uh, why uh, why is it because they are afraid of uh, uh, damages or um, yes uh, um, yes it was also attempted to use for uh, uh, patients with chronic uh, um, uh, illnesses and uh, he said uh, that it, there is no chance for it to be supported, to be sponsored because they are afraid of uh, side effects and, uh, and uh, then he was thinking about crowdfunding for example because it's hugely expensive. I'd, asked the boss of the company to find and uh, to do an approval study. He said it's a two-digit million uh, region. And uh, yeah, so if you don't plan it prospectively, these uh, um, observations, then it's very difficult uh, afterwards because then the bias possibilities increase. Uh, 
so but then at least you would have a, a value that could prove things uh, but if you think uh, of, uh, of the ways to do it and uh, to compare to people over a long period of time and see who is better off and uh, um, but uh, there are all these different ways of doing it and it seems to me that they do it on purpose they make it so expensive the insurance alone for a person who takes part in a study even if you only um, uh, take blood but there has to be a certain entry, entry level but you also have to be careful with the mRNA studies that uh, people who took part at uh, how can I say that the the pharma producers they are experimenting at the moment they don't uh, really know what's uh, within the uh, what's contained within the vaccines and they try out a lot of things so it's very interesting for them to see uh, what happens when for example the storage temperature can be increased or uh, decreased uh, by 10 degrees does uh, the efficacy uh, increase or decrease so these are also logistical things in uh, um, the production or in logistics if they want to know for example because the viruses change all the time uh, you know how about the interaction and if they have an honest interest in producing uh, producing uh, vaccines then they would be interested in this data how did the people fare that uh, were vaccinated we know what's contained but what happened to them and somebody who is interested in the side effects they collect this these cases this data that's very interesting for the companies and i believe that somebody who would collect the data could uh, get a lot of money from these companies they want to get that feedback to want to further develop the mrna technology and who are afraid of uh, the dangers of nanoparticles they know what could happen with the nanoparticles and they want to know whether it's coming from rna or the others other particles they want to know what it means for new medicine and uh, their development of for example the rotavirus uh, vaccination uh, that uh, became very popular in the u.s and uh, and then they had a lot of problems with the intestines uh, dead children it had to be taken removed from the market and then they saw that uh, those people who were vaccinated first uh, they had a lower risk uh, and now with the no new rotavirus vaccinations they uh, simply said uh, we uh, postpone it so uh, uh, or, or, or we take babies who get uh, vaccinated first. They also want to vaccinate 
by glucotides as well. I mean, you, you completely create great upheaval. And, and they also want to, to produce other vaccines based on mRNA technology. They want to do all these vaccines. I mean, um, tetanus, uh, everything else. I mean, they, they, they think of a world we might no longer need any viruses. We're only going to do it with genetic genetic technology. RNS viruses, they're also uh, viruses causing the common flu, like similar to Corona. And ever since the 60s, they've been trying to develop a vaccine against that, where the young, very young children bear higher risk than the others. I mean, and back at the time, they were facing the problem that they had an aluminium-enhanced uh, RNS uh, vaccine, and they had their children. I mean, they had different methods they used. They first vaccinated them, then they confronted them with the viruses, and then they checked and how they reacted, and they 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 developed an extreme pneumonia, and then they died. So when for the first time they tried to develop vaccines, all these animals died. They they, they developed a vaccine, they exposed them to the virus, and they all died. And that was called uh, uh, that was called ADE then. And now what we have here, what they're trying to do now. A messenger RNA vaccine shall be rolled out for RNS viruses, and another one by GlaxoSmithKline. I mean, they were going—they're going to try that everywhere. Also for the flu vaccine. I mean, the, the common flu. I mean, they're going to try to do that. They've already attempted that in the past. I mean, they, they tried to, to, to um, dissolve the enhancers, I mean, also on tumorous cells. I mean, they're rapidly growing human body cells. I mean, so and these they can they can inject them the and the, the viruses and then then the problem the issue with this kind of production is that that they are also kind of in, in that they're kind of polluted and they're contaminated with we, we know that very well of uh, of egg yolk uh, chicken egg yolk i mean they know i mean that's known we that's why we used to tell people before uh, that no flu vaccine should be taken if there was any knowledge of any allergies against um, uh, chicken proteins or chicken egg proteins. And that was something I uh, already mentioned when we spoke about the, um, the uh, vaccine um, when they, they produce tumors, when they inject it into human being. It's going to take five years, at least as observation period, to notice it. And now you started a new technology and you just rolled it out and you started to give hand distributing it to millions of healthy people. And I wrote that back in 2009. And then after Afterwards, I met again Professor Levenstein, and I think it was maybe five years ago, we had an event organized with Peter Toshi, and he was present, and I asked him, 
back then, why didn't you purchase the uh, Novartis vaccine? Why did you take back your order? And he smiled right into my face and told me, you know exactly why I didn't do that. So he very well understood what was happening, but now he's on retirement and once you're in retirement and you're out of everything, I mean, the risk back then was too big. And Mr. Stuer, for example, who back at the time was working with Novartis, Mr. Stuer, I met him for the very first time when it was about the, uh, the bird flu and he was the one in charge at the WHO and he was telling on the television that there were going to be hundreds of millions of deaths. And then I visited him and then he, he handed out and he handed a CD for tummy flu to, over to me, promotional material, and then he couldn't explain to me how he'd ended up with that figure of 30 million people dying. And, and then eventually, when it, well, thank you very much for the good cooperation. And now I thought, I mean, now he's back on the board of experts and he's the critical voice. I mean, I mean, how that, that's how you can change from, say, so to speak, evil person to a good person. I mean, that was one thing which me as a journalist, that was the yearly routine. I know we're coming up to the flu season and now we have to write about the flu. And we showed a, a, a picture of the immune system, and it was catastrophic. I mean, it was a real fighting apparatus. And there's the real influenza, and then there's the flu-like illnesses, and then and there was also coronaviruses among them. And then nobody has ever checked it, ever checked. I mean, nobody did care if it was a real flu or, or just a flu-like illness. I mean, and when someone became really seriously ill, I mean, you fall seriously and then would say it's a real flu. And now if you look at it, I mean, at the distribution, we know that influenza is not really on top of the, 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 the dangerous agents. Uh, we have the, this uh, working group uh, around the topic of influenza, the Green Cross, uh, the Bering Works in Marburg, so that were the pharmaceutical industries, the vaccine producers, and the Robert Koch Institute did host this working group and invited them to do that within the framework of the institute. And I found that extremely interesting to see how the influenza was uh, put on the same level with the real flu. I mean, that the influenza was re the real flu. And, but the main mistake that was being made back then with the flu, where in the end, it was not no longer possible to explain it to the average population. I mean, corona, corona was always problematic. When there was a coronavirus wave, it could always be as, just as dangerous as in, in influenza virus or an RNS virus. There were always different focuses, I mean, within the different age groups. The children, have they have had the most research done upon them I'm but for the elder adults as a, as a young doctor i mean we never checked what kind of viruses there were it was a virological pneumonia and that was it and there was one common point that was in existence before corona and that is now still ongoing that the pharmaceutical industry i mean the the ones who do research and development usually it's being said that it's really expensive to have a new medication admitted to the market and approved and in reality what has happened is that the lesson has been drawn 
and have been learned that it is better to have all this paid by the government. So there have, all, there have been all these issues. I've recently published a book about the vaccines where for each and every case I've taken a closer look at how far does it still make sense, what are the risks inherent to this, how big is the damage and how big is the potential benefit. And around the turn of the century or the turn of the millennial, we had, for example, a more compatible vaccine where by now they've understand that it doesn't protect at all against pertussis. And uh, in the United States, we had that many cases of pertussis, just exactly the same number which were in existence just before the vaccination time. And, and even in Austria and Germany, the curve went steeply up. And I've got to know a number of researchers in France who are developing a live virus pertussis vaccination who had really good evidence about the initial studies from the initial studies on the animals. I mean, nobody is interested in that knowledge. The pharmaceuticals uh, companies, Sanofi, Pasteur, nobody is interested in it. They want it all to be paid by the public. And when it's about the marketing, and it shows some success in the very expensive uh, studies for the market admission, I mean, then they get this funding and they, they get paid for this. I mean, they that is what they, they had the same thing they did for the COVID, COVID vaccine. I mean, they got all this financed by the public and in the end, they made the benefit, they reaped the benefits. I think they were in the phase two studies or phase three studies for the clinical studies trial for lung COVID. Well, for long COVID, it's it's zero zero seven. Uh, for the, they're still in the very beginning for the long COVID uh, admission study. But before that, uh, there are cardiac diseases based on an autoimmune deficiency. So their patients waiting for a heart to be transplanted, and that's where they tried this medication on them, this drug, and they had excellent results they came up with, which had a significant improvement of the time left to live. Uh, because these are the very rare autoimmune antibodies which cause this heart deficiency. And then there is also trials on healing. Um, Melson at the University of Erlangen, they've already done it. Do they know what they're, what they're, what they're choosing, what they're selecting? Have they well defined the potential focus group of patients? When I think about long COVID, I have an issue with clearly delimitating this. They have only focused on long COVID, at least with the initial uh, cohort of patients they have selected. And that was what the CEO of that company told me. He told me simply, we cannot prescribe that for long COVID because there is such a multitude of psychosomatic issues which have nothing to do with, with our, our, our drug, which have potentially nothing to do at all with that autoimmune antibodies. And then our drug uh, is not going to have any effect fact, logically. So do they have a test which allows them to define the potential patients? Well, yes, they can prove the presence of these uh, autoantibodies. And once they've taken the drug, they can also prove that it has disappeared. So 
if they select this group of, of patients, it was clear from the results that there had been a significant reduction of the number of autoantibodies. And then we still have to check if it is going to be a long-lasting effect or how does it is it going to evolve over time. So is the immune system start going to start to re reproduce again autoimmune antibodies or not? So at least it should take up to six months that there are spikes being detectable and that the artificial mRNA is going to be incorporated and potentially reactivated once it has been incorporated by reverse transcription so that this transcription has been proven. And theoretically, it would be imaginable that it's going to happen over and over again, that they're going to be again and again uh, production boosts of uh, spike proteins. And then theoretically, they'd have to check upon that again and again. But all these things would need a very long observation period, and we would need a science that can be trusted. I mean, science, I think we what we've experienced now is a complete deterioration and dismissal of uh, scientific thinking. I mean, all this issue about uh, corona, I mean, it's always been a gut reaction. I mean, what they're saying, I mean, what, what the politicians and, and are telling is, is, well, okay, I mean, they're saying something. I, mean, I, don't, I don't oppose that, but they should have to explain to me why and how they've come up with that. I mean, I, I, I really like to learn new things. I'm curious. And then and what we've seen in science very much, for example, in Austria recently, they've changed the recommendations on vaccination. They have not the recommendation as is in place in Germany after the age of 60, but after the age of 12. I mean, it's a totally absurd recommendation that is goes completely against everything we, we've had as a basic scientific experience before. And they never justified it. I mean, they just said it's an excellent idea, it's fair, and there are also economic reasons for that. I mean, they never mentioned these economic reasons that much, though. They only told us that you, you, you should never count corona infections because it is only going to confuse uh, you, you should not count the infections, you should only count the vaccinations. So the WHO has already a number of years ago, I mean, redefined the, the, the term of immunity, and they said it is only going to be expressed by the vaccination rate. I mean, they, they usually you use that to, to, to specify how many people are immune, really, and they were only referring to the shots and to the vaccinations. That's absurd. I mean, it's 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 also all this discussion around the term of herd immunity. Well, where quite a few things went wrong, according to I, our view of science. Well, yes, scientists do not want to be considered stupid, and they would like to discuss, and they cannot simply retreat and withdraw into small circles and clubs which are financed by pharmaceutical companies. So everybody is going to notice that it is no longer a science. So they have to expose themselves to public debate, and they have to be brilliant in proving that they, they come, can come up with evidence, and they, they've done everything they can, and they, they stay open. If they should have forgotten something, that they say, OK, no, fine, I'll, I'll check it out, and I'll see, and I'll verify. 
would you think that we'll ever return to a state where we'll have a science that is no longer a kind of prostitution if we ban the patents on drugs? I mean, that might well happen, but that's the key question. But how would then all the funding be done? from taxes, taxpayers' money. I mean, that would be much, much cheaper. All that bullshit we are paying on patent and drugs and monopoles, they're exhorting pressure on us. I mean, where after years we realized that we never needed these in the first place. So we might have used that money for decades for funding research. We need approaches and methodology. I mean, uh, we, 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 we needed to fund researchers. I'm uh, sorry, there's uh, sound jamming. And so they might enable us to take the correct decisions to avoid and prevent certain diseases we have. And then we should publicly uh, open up the 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 the, uh, the, the competition. And then, then they could they could they can become they can make lots of benefits and yeah, lots of profits from this. They can become rich, but but that should be done scientifically. And what they're doing now is going against science. We have Santa Gotcha, but they, but they, they are, um, unfortunately in the Cochrane Institute it was did not pa pass test. So when the pharmaceutical company comes along and says we do have a drug, we would have like to have it approved, they are not allowed from A to Z to do it all themselves and to control it and do the trials and research up until the point when they reach the desired result. But they would rather need an extremely qualitative, uh, independent, government-funded uh, agency where they come along and say, okay, this is the drug, I'd like to have it approved. And then we know about 20,000 samples, I mean, and that's the, the size of the study, and then please come back in two years, and then you can get the uh, the, the, the medical view or the, the scientific um, report on how well it works, really. And that we can only do when a company is openly participating in a competition. And if they're investing, I mean, it, they should well get something out of it. But they should not invest in, for example, this drug for this innate uh, deficiencies, neurological deficiencies with children, which was being used, when which has cost millions in each individual case, and which also resulted in children dying and where they slowly have started withdrawing and then where they started saying, okay, now we wanted to genetically change the setup of the children so they can themselves produce these uh, bodies and then and then these this, uh, this, uh, inputs and, and this, this uh, things and then and that, it, that was also something that was said, okay, no, 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 we can genetically modify them so they can produce themselves, their children. So it's the same thing that has been done with the mRNA vaccines. I mean, it's the same principle of genetical therapeutics and and we, which would be done with the children and there were deaths happening and then they started saying, oh, no, no, it's, it's better to, to add them from the outside and, and not doing this by way of vaccines. So the, the funding of research, well, just to sum up this issue, I mean, that goes very much in the same way that, that our authorities are being paid by the pharmaceutical industry. 
and it's obvious and it, it, it goes without saying and, and the, the public authorities and the government pretends it's it's saving them money i mean if you look at the reports i mean that's not true if you look at the re report and the committee that has been established under the header of the mrs dreyfus who was the former health minister of swiss and it's under the header intellectual property rights and public health something like this i don't know longer how it was phrased anyway it was a booklet this size it was downloadable on the who website i no longer localize it on their website but she had an extremely competent body of expert at the who with the question which is creating more incentives the 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 incentives created through public funding for research in vaccines or the possibility of having them patented and they came up with the conclusion that it is much more uh, worth the while to have the public funding so they had five times the incentives than what they had had through the incentives by potential. So that means that it's five times the profit. I mean, regardless from which point of view you look at it, I mean, it's extremely fascinating. So this question is, is not new. And in the Commission of Inquiry on Ethics in um, Medicine, we had this issue of patents and when i put it on the agenda back then it was still new i mean we still set up the committee and i put up on the agenda the biological patients want to put them on the agenda immediately i received a visitor into my office as a, uh, an mp the chief Med uh, judicial officer of Berger engelheim and another representative of a pharmaceutical company came along they came to me and he was one of the fathers of the UN Patent Office. They invented this uh, at some point as a competitor to the American patent offices. So we had something in Europe as well. So they immediately turned up in my office and then they told me, Mr. Wodak, that's not going to work like this. It's impossible. We're going to destroy all the research. I mean, and then I realized how important that issue was. Well, here I would like to come to the topic of uh, this uh, very fast publication by Drosten at the time when he immediately published a PCR test at the WHO. In principle, it should uh, have been done via a patent uh, uh, where there is a test for a specific uh, a virus. And uh, so, uh, and then it was uh, published uh, very quickly, uh, this instruction at the WHO. And actually, when there is an invention, um, the charity should have been uh, in charge. And uh, we also asked the, uh, the charity, how can it be that it was published uh, so quickly? Because uh, then it cannot be um, um, applied for patent because it's public knowledge. Well, in a human emergency situation, um, it's an exception. So then I asked, ask, isn't it always a humanitarian situation with any medicine? And uh, how did you do away with it? And then because it's your public entity and a clinical research organization, but they can't simply go and uh, 
well, and 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 give away part of their assets and uh, because uh, Mr. Drosten is such a nice guy and they uh, give him half of their campus and maybe it should have been evaluated uh, properly and also uh, they should have looked for approval of the government and uh, and uh, maybe when they published it, of course, uh, you cannot uh, uh, apply for a patent license, but uh, the whole publication raises a lot of question marks. And uh, so once it was outside and then Tip Moviol, the small Berlin company, I think you have uh, contacted uh, as well, and Roche bought it, and they had always done their sales, and uh, and only then, together with Drosten, who was the door opener for certain labs, they could uh, bring it to market very quickly, and uh, and. And a company like Roche, uh, they let these uh, small companies work for them, and it's a uh, uh, lower risk for them as well. And uh, and uh, they have the published uh, the uh, construction. Um, uh, instruction, so to speak, and also immediately went to um, sale, uh, to sale and market it, and to sell and market it. And um, of course, uh, uh, when it comes to the PCR test, uh, uh, it's uh, not difficult to do it. And uh, well, it had to be investigated because there are certain PCR tests for certain viruses or uh, where there are uh, PCR tests that are protected. These are special um, products and, uh, that are offered as a technical solution. You have to have a uh, have, have a certain uh, invention level. If you vary it only a little bit, it's not, uh, um, you cannot get a patent for it uh, because uh, then others would come and say, okay, we can do it too. And, uh, and uh, because they have their own legal system, because with every uh, contradiction, they have to pay another fee and so on and so on. They have their own pension system. It's a state within the state. The European Patent Agency in Munich is a very exciting institution also politically, but it has nothing with to do with a, a state or parliamentary, parliamentary control. These are companies that uh, got together with some ministries in Europe. There were five or six states involved at the beginning and a couple of companies, and they got together and uh, um, invented it. So state control was also a, a negative term. It was, uh, and it was then later on the contracts were were concluded between um, 
the states and the patent agency Germany uh, uh, accepts it, acknowledges it. It has nothing to do with Europe. And uh, I think there are now more than 40 states that acknowledge the European patent. And that is valid then, and everything is kept alive via these fees. And the European uh, Patent Agency is a political construct that is being tolerated politically, but not um, not being wanted and intended. Uh, the European Union once tried to take over the European Patent Agencies, but I think uh, nothing came of it, really. Okay, is there anything we can say in summary to uh, regarding the state of the nation? Well, I think one of the most uh, important reasons for corona disaster is that the state control of science and everything that went on in the medical sphere got lost completely and everything was left uh, running as is and uh, uh, science uh, is claiming results that are being funded by politics and then the politics uh, political sphere is really happy uh, when uh, the science is confirming what they've already said before and they take it as proof and uh, it's like a triangle of uh, uh, prejudices of uh, wishes and requests and uh, that uh, then lead to the self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. And uh, I don't know if we can cut this uh, Gordian knot and um, I think that everything went badly so quickly that uh, I'm very pessimistic that we can uh, uh, change it again, that, uh, for example, we make a, a vaccination to uh, science again. Now it's like a um, belief system. Uh, this, you know, it's like the search of uh, Scientology, and now everything, everybody is claiming that uh, vaccinations have saved millions of lives, but this is not a way to um, be scientific, really, unfortunately. So it's politics and, uh, and the financial world, the investors, really, both of them, power and money, who have discovered this field and influenced science. It's not just politics. So again, we have chicken and egg problems here. Uh, in the meantime, we don't know if the political world, the politicians are the powerful people or whether it's the financial um, investors. And of course, this is mixed up very quickly. Well, it's crazy. We've learned a lot again. Many thanks for coming. And I think we will have to uh, deal with each other again. It's uh, an ongoing story, as you, if you will. And uh, yes, thank you, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for your research as well. Thank you. Okay, now we have one more guest. Hello. 
Steffmanzini, you uh, uh, are in Vienna now for this uh, media story. I'm Steffmanzini. I come from the Bodensee, Lake Constance, and Überlingen. And uh, for 20 years, I worked for a daily newspaper uh, there. And uh, the last eight years for the local editorial for Überlingen, for various magazines and other newspapers. And on the 22nd of February 22, I uh, started with my online city newspaper org, and I went online after my newspaper didn't want me any longer because in January uh, I took part in a large demonstrations and then afterwards I also gave a speech on press liberty and what happened to it. And what, you, what can you say about it after all this experience in the classical uh, press and uh, well, there were massive changes, weren't there? Well, there were big changes in such a way that everything that I had done and was supposed to do and what others were supposed to do was uh, completely put upside down. Well, tell us about it in detail. Your speech, by the way, was really fantastic. Uh, we heard your speech uh, today on the rooftop, and uh, I was very impressed. Uh, it was very good. Uh, well, I thought about it a long time. It was about these accusations uh, to be right-wing, to be right-wing extremist, as long as you're not uh, follow or toe the line. And this is what I also experienced, and I was really shocked. Um, I learned about, uh, you know, newspaper, the newspaper business. There was a, a sentence of a legend journalist, Hans-Joachim Friedrich. He is no longer living, but he said, don't uh, become a part of a thing of, or a matter or a cause not even something good and it's very difficult to understand and that even now i have to say even if journalists or editors mostly it's being done in the top levels uh, of the editorial um, uh, work and uh, so don't really get involved in advertising uh, vaccinations because um, you know, it's their personal attitude, but now they join the um, supposedly good um, things. And uh, that's what I said in my speech regarding press liberty as well. For me, that's the decisive reason for uh, my colleagues uh, in my environment. I don't want to uh, accuse them or mob them, uh, but um, I was uh, shocked, as I said, that this journalistic rule was done away with, and uh, I was shocked as well that the foundation of my work, meaning the open research in each, in any direction, uh, was done away with. For example, when I have a doctor who is uh, vehemently in favor of vaccination, so I let him speak, and 
explain his reasons. And then I have a doctor who is a, uh, convinced of the opposite. So I let him speak as well and uh, allow his reasons. And then um, an adult person who reads uh, the newspaper or watches television, and they can make their own decisions. So that no longer happened. So the the one-sided expert opinion that was not uh, an expert opinion was no longer uh, allowed for, and as well as the people who had uh, something to say about it, uh, they no longer happened, and uh, they had to find new ways or their ways in social media, and the channels were either shut off or uh, shut up or. Uh, excuse me, shut down, or they were accused. And uh, and I was very moved uh, by a talk with Mr. Professor Arne Burkhardt. I did an interview with him in spring, and this uh, Hanseatic uh, gentleman uh, was uh, saying that for 40 years, nobody doubted my expertise. And now uh, I'm... Uh, um, uh, a conspiracist, and uh, you know, you will probably know it too. My newspaper, after these speeches on the demonstrations, they took about three weeks to inform me. Uh, now you have become an activist, and you were a journalist before, and we don't want that. And uh, and it also um, affected me a lot. Uh, a conversation with my local uh, editor of about one hour, and it was really as if I was speaking Urdu to him. I no longer understood him, and vice versa. And uh, my local editor, who said, uh, I have to believe my doctor, I have to trust in the politics, and uh, I think uh, as a journalist, I have to say that's. Uh, uh, if not, that's very dangerous. I said, okay, you can believe your doctor, but I have to believe mine as well. And it's not my job to trust in the politics and the polit to trust politicians. Yeah, that's the way it works these days with journalists and with the colleagues, with your colleagues. They were all, I mean, as we've heard from the public broadcaster in Austria, I mean, the ORF, all the colleagues remain convinced that everything is right and it's done the right way and there's nothing to doubt about. Now, it's a local newspaper you come from, so the dynamics are maybe a little bit different or may we say it's sim simply going the same way. Right? Everything that applies to this local newspaper it can be applied exactly the same way to the uh, national newspapers such as Tuts um, and so on and so forth. When I started setting up my online newspaper, I started with a telegram channel called Yostar. Um, journalists stand up and I posted this uh, title. I mean, they got reactions, amongst others, from a colleague from the Süddeutsche Zeitung, a nationally renowned daily newspaper. And she told me that she's going to go on retirement in September, and then, and then I would like to do something. But so far, I want to take it quiet and, and keep it quiet. So not many journalists decided to stand up. So I was a freelancer. And the road for what I'd taken on as commissions, they're not, there are quite a few uh, such freelancers. And then there are also the 
employed editors, if, if they had not been going along the line or had no longer been in line with what's been dictated, um, I mean, they would have lost their jobs. I'm quite convinced that that was what would have happened. And that applies to everything. I mean, I've lost my idols and then I looked at the Tuts and I did this very famous newspaper and then um, and the Süddeutsche Zeitung and all the other newspapers and I, I do not like believe my eyes. It was like a, a, a line given out from above and and it was handed out by the, the Spiegel first and then everybody else uh, chimed in. So all this right-wing defamation, I mean, that, that came very quickly well it came it sat in very quickly right and it really hit me very hard i mean a member of my family was killed in treblinka so it personally injured me and insulted me and even people who had been so far in my personal environment it used to be said she 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 always uses sharp ammunition to shoot but never from behind your back and then, and then I, I hardly believed my eyes when I saw that these are the very same people pointing their fingers at me now. So we have a democratic opposition organized demonstrations on Mondays called Monday Walks, which have been organized for now for two years in this very small uh, village or uh, municipality, I mean, last December, and I, I'd assume that it's now going to pick up uh, speed and numbers again soon. So we have a very active resistance there. So we have collected 350 signatures from, and they've transferred them to the local municipal council from people who are just requesting from them to, to attend the gatherings and to talk to us. And they never did so. And the justification for what it was that we cannot stand with these right-wing extremists. And that was even the local councillor who told me, I mean, I believed I'd had a friendship with him. He, I told him, well, am I a right-wing extremist? He said, no, not you, obviously. And then I said, who is it then? So that's a local councillor from the uh, Green Party. And particularly in my speeches, I referred to the Greens and addressed to them. And I said, I mean, it's it, it, it's horrendous. I mean, they, they, they part in, in, in certain at certain moments that they were the worst instigators against us. And they many of them remained on this ship that they had to say it's, it's, it's a matter of solidarity. So vaccination is an expression of love and solidarity and that reached the hearts of some of them. If we're not assuming that there are other motives, I mean, that they did, they did, they did seduced some to, to, to follow that line. I mean, I would rather call it a disgusting kind of imposed solidarity because it no longer takes into consideration individual decision and many people i mean got vaccinated because they wanted to go on a trip with, with their mobile home and, and their caravan and and it was not their first interest to protect anyone else and it might apply to some people but it's possibly the the, the smallest group i mean even one of the CDU politicians, which I interviewed, a rather young and recent uh, parliamentarian, that he'd wish, if it gets to the crunch again, that he'd like to listen to the deviant expert opinion, and that, that succession and separation that has, I mean, separated and then created this this abyss between all of us, I mean, between the families, the, the politicians, that, that 
that it, it's going to take years to heal these wounds. And each and every one among my colleagues who have now taken up the path to work in new alternative media outlets and to frame all those and put them into the right-wing extremist corner. I mean, it's an unbelievable, unacceptable method. I mean, I mean, how do you refer to that term of parallel culture? I think it's a beautiful term because I believe that is what is going to happen in the end. I mean, what I said in my speech this morning, that we should stop justifying ourselves and feel belittled by this framing. That's why I put it into the words of a song of Udo Lindenberg, do your thing regardless of what the others are saying about you and what you've now mentioned, parallel society, discussions in living rooms. If we no longer get any stage, which happened with this um, conference to be given by Daniel Ganz and what happened but due to all this hype that was being created by the uh, grand grandparents against right-wing extremism, I mean, they, they forced the, the local council to annul that. And in my article I wrote, there is a nice predicate which is going to be called a place of free expression. And the, 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 the head mayor, who is very open, and Daniel Gensen was the third time that he appeared there. Oh, he can, uh, there were 30 and 50 euros which were being quoted, I mean, that they were paid to, they would be made to pay this sum to listen to this very evil conspirationalist. And we had three or four days before this article being printed. And again, we had this old journalistic adage. I mean, content, nothing about the content. So it's it's something about this anti-defamation campaign. Wouldn't it be? I mean, we should transfer it to them. But in that case, we still give them, then provide them with some space. I mean, um, I, I thanked him for um, heartfelt the when we had that event about this excellent example of as a study object to to defamation but and I've said that on a personal level that that I felt in in attacked and I felt concerned by these attacks by these grandmothers against right-wing extremists and it, I mean, in Germany, it's, it's almost an honor. I received letters from former colleagues where they wrote the the, the lecture given by Daniel Ganser. Uh, it, it's your responsibility and you're denying that the Shoah, the Holocaust has ever happened. I mean, these are letters I received from actual former colleagues. It, it's very regrettable, actually. It's sad. There are that many living rooms in Germany where we could meet. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, the people have learned to, to, to go for walks. And then there are innumerable living rooms, and there's enough space to meet up there. 
And maybe soon we'll have to have clearings in the woods where we might gather, I mean, the creativity for a new culture of coexistence and debate and, and the search for orientation. It, it's a good opportunity. It's an excellent opportunity now. Yes, it's an excellent opportunity. I also believe, and that's how I understand your work and your stance, and it was my reaction as well. That's why I set up this alternative website, Stadtzeitung. I, I don't want to put all my energy into that. It, it's negative. It, it eats up all your energy. It, it starts eating you up. I mean, when I go to bed with this and then I wake up with this, I'm, I don't no longer have my head free for what I really want to do. And we all need to bear across my cross. I mean, I mean, oh my. My back is, is maybe as broad as the Chinese wall, and we can take it upon our shoulders. But would we also entitled to turn away from this and say, okay, we do something else now? Do not now we do something about the energy technology. Do not think about your left or the right big toe. Do not think about it at all. And then you immediately what you do is start to think about your right big toe. And we can how you can do you scratch your left leg and then you put, put your finger in your nose. I mean all these experiments. But I think anyway, I believe there was one colleague who attended the lecture, and that's the most recent example. Two days before that, uh, they requested uh, press tickets. I mean, I told them it's too late. We're completely sold out. But the setting for report, I think it was already previously set. I mean, that's why I won't hand out any press tickets. And they were they felt they had this insanely insulted reaction. It was like, like me, I, I prevent the free press, the local daily newspaper, from having access to the event. I mean, just imagine. That, that the local editor-in-chief poses three questions to Daniel Ganser, ask them, are you a conspirational theorist? Is that accurate? Are you denying that the Holocaust ever happened when you talk about the pandemic? And then the third is, I mean, not, I don't remember, but nothing about the content. And then two days before you come along and you ask for press tickets and then you complain and you and you play the, 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 the refused child, I mean, these are all things that go up into the meaninglessness. I mean, we say, I mean, I deny the free press from having access to that event. I mean, that's, how would you say, linguistically speaking, NLP, how does it work, new linguistic programming? Could one say that the articles, the way they're being phrased, that they're using linguistic tricks as well, different from what was the case before, that at some point they, they drop a word here or there, what do you observe? Yeah, obviously, and that's something I find very troubling. I mean, normally what happens, I mean, based on the example of the lecture of Mr. Ganser, I mean, I, I do prepare myself, I go there and I write something about what I've experienced there. Journalism is about writing what I've observed, but that's now it's different. I mean, you sit on, I sit before the event on the meadow, say, and then I imagine what I would like to write, and then I look for the actors uh, which fit this story. 
and in that case, the mayor did not go along in, in that locality, and then they had to address a different mayor. Okay, when I and then I think about, okay, I'd like to term him and frame him as a conspirationalist. So where do I get the, this information from? So that's how it works. And then over and over again, they drop a word here and there, which immediately simulate the worst possible outcome if i by suggesting that others are denying the holocaust um, conspirationalist uh, nonsense theorists and i mean there might be quite a few number of people who might say okay i might have been interested to see what's happening but if it's like this i will don't want to have anything to do with that so they took from the start, the most extreme term, I mean, everybody who has a deviant opinion are right-wing extremists. I mean, and then you have to distinguish yourself from these right-wing extremists. I mean, that's another scandal here again. So we're no longer opening up a debate. I mean, would not want myself to be considered a right-wing extremist. I always consider that horrendous. I mean, in the sense of that uh, being anti-Semitic, debasing the Holocaust, it's not an issue for me. That's it's so far removed from anything I've ever considered to being my position. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. I never has ever, nobody has so far ever called me right wing. But still, I mean, taking out the, this big hammer, it shows off a little, quite a weakness because apparently you have n nothing else amongst your hands because Ganza, you might say that he brings forward stupid arguments. If I wanted to insult him, he is not the, the most intelligent one around. That's what I might say. Oh, he has this logical mistake here and there, or he's not a good historian because he has once written and I can come up with a certain proof of that. He, can, he does not work thoroughly as a historian because once he has turned something around and then twisted uh, evidence and things. But obviously, they had no other idea what to do and what to come up with. Yes, and you know, they very consciously produce certain images. A journalist publishing things holds a lot of power. One has to put it like this. And that's why it's the only professional uh, group that is protected by our basic law, our constitution, Article 5. And I mentioned this this morning, Oli, that this unfortunate suicide with this um, uh, physician, Yani Annalisa Kellermeyer, who was very much in favor of vaccinations, who chose to commit suicide and sent three letters of three letters of um, farewell. I mean, it would be respectful of the family of the, the, the deceased, it would be journalistic practice not to speak about this. What happened in this case was that three days after her death, they, the head of the local newspaper commented, this should not leave us cold as June. An angry hatred mob pushed Analisa Kellermeyer into her death. I mean, what is that image? 
3,000, 5,000 um, so-called deviant thinkers, I mean, pushed her into an abyss until she was pushed over and toppled to her death. I mean, was that well researched? We have uh, an organization here in Austria as well, MFG, I think it's called. They have worked a lot about her, uh, the depression she suffered from. Uh, Mrs. Kellermeyer, I do not want to go into mu too much detail here, but in my speech, what I said, I do not want to talk about it. I just said it, it, um, it, it, it makes us feel deeply with her because in the end, he's, she's also a victim of this pandemic, of this coronavirus pandemic. But if, as the head of a big media institution, you paint this picture, I mean, it shows very well what kind of intention you have in the back of your mind. And you might say that, okay, maybe they don't know better. I mean, and up to a certain point, that's true as well. They, they, they're going along like this. I mean, they, they, they don't look left or right. I mean, they just walk straight ahead and don't look to the sidelines. So on on one hand, they're just afraid. I mean, they, the Danish newspaper Darklighted, it's comparable to the German tabloid Bild Zeitung. They apologized to their public later on. I mean, in retrospect, they apologized to their readers that they had not correctly covered all these issues around vaccination and so on and so forth. And you have to really respect and appreciate their decision. They have apologized to their readers. I mean, where are these apologies here in Germany? They apologize to you, apologize to Mr. Bhakti or entire groups. They'd have to apologize to us, the new media outlets. They'd have to say, they'd have to come along. I'm really sorry, people. The, the conspirational theorists would have to look for new theories because the old ones have all come true and nothing comes up. Nobody steps up with an apology. In Slavonia, there is a saying, it's, it's, it's yeah, you, being right even if I have to die for it. I mean, they, they just want to be right, and I think that's what it's all about. They do not want to deviate from the course they once decided to take, and they want to continue along those lines. And that's also something you'd have to take into consideration. It's not ending, no, but also for financial reasons, because it's also very uncomfortable to start reflecting upon that, yes. And also, uh, due to something Robert Meloni has said in his speech to, uh, to us, I mean, hatred and instigation and installation of, of instilling hate is, is something that sells well. And I think all these media outlets have become much too dependent on these funds flowing towards them. I mean, I've noticed that with my newspaper, which I was working with before, I mean, the advertisement all went down due to the lockdown. So the local part diminished. I mean, it used to be six pages in the beginning, then it was only still four. And there are really economic reasons behind that. And if now someone would start with it, I mean, and let's say this newspaper I'm talking about, and that was something I'd wished for. And at the time, I wrote a letter to my uh, editor-in-chief, and I said I would have wished we would have been the first ones. And in many respects, we were very innovative. And then and for eight years, I mean, it was not very conservative. I, for eight years I worked there, I wrote a lot of social criticism. I mean, it's, it's a good newspaper, and they have good approaches, they have good people. 
and we and then we would have to turn it upside down and then we can we could also sell during this and that's what i would have wished for i mean is there's any media outlet that has been turned around and a local level i mean some little village where this happened that might be the case well, maybe even it's trickling down to the tabloid build. Um, it's basically become impossible to deny all these stories that the vaccination protects us from a severe cause of disease. It, it prevents us from infection. I mean, each and every one of us has someone in their family and in their, among their acquaintance where they can see with their own eyes that it's no longer working. I mean, what fascinates me the most is that it is still running. And that still the majority of the population who look at this, who, who subscribe to this, and, and to fund this and, and to watch this, it's not a long-term strategy to, 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 to keep on with that fear-mongering. And it works now, but it's going to diminish now. The effect is going to diminish. And it's this famous story of this, that this um, the shepherd's boy, I mean, you cries, oh, cries wolf. And then, then the village is, oh, no, but then in the end, the wolf never comes. And, and in the end, they, they, they chase him away from, from the field because they say, OK, he's gone completely crazy. But would you say that what we experience now is that they're getting even greater wolves? So we had the monkeypox issue. I mean, they're trying to come along with new issues, and they're trying at least. The monkeypox, I mean, they, they, they never took off. I mean, the people have, did not bite into that. I mean, there were, was Ukraine as well. Maybe they, they launched too many things. I mean, it's, it's a causality that takes itself out of the game again. Well, anyway. Well, what I wanted to say, I have seen in my newspaper that they no longer wrote about content when it came to the Monday demonstrations. We had medical experts, Dr. Brenner, lung experts, medical experts who knew what they were talking about, but there was no journalist who attended and interviewed or just wrote about the content. When I wrote, when I write about something, how can I write about this medical conference or this media conference without any content? What can I say? There were blue tablecloths or um, a green shirt and a free independent journalist came, a colleague of mine researched in Wikipedia, what is dictatorship? He didn't interpret anything. He just uh, looked at all these entries and that was uh, the star hour of the newspapers and he could write the article and uh, he could write that the corona deniers are describing our world as a dictatorship so again also the um, people who uh, out themselves in on the YouTube channels at part fascist and when I wanted to write about a, a care, medical care person who wanted to um, spill the truth and, uh, uh, and uh, and I, I wanted to publish uh, the name and place of the editorial that was refused, but uh, 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 the person who organized a demonstration who um, 
also outed himself as a part fascist and uh, what is it a part fascist and uh, uh, well I also partly have uh, fascistic ideology and this person was uh, anonymized uh, by my newspaper by my local editor who taught me a lot of things who is a real a full-blooded journalist and also a very nice person. Sometimes I asked uh, myself whether the vaccination changed the people so much because I no longer recognize them. And it never happened to me that uh, uh, some man could really um, accuse people um, anonymously and the healthcare person wasn't allowed to do it um, give their opinion anonymously. And you could see the same in the newspapers. It was a, um, a really uh, uh, dogmatic uh, treatment. And I think uh, they were also uh, political uh, speeches, uh, you know, that they were cut. <coughs> where they cut out excerpts and they found out that they all said the same thing. Well, it's also from marketing. When I say that Vienna is a city in Bavaria, the Viennese will say it's not right. But when I uh, publish it for six weeks on all channels, then everybody will uh, agree. You know, um, as same as they can repeat advertising slogans. And if they, if I show them the same pictures for months and months, and uh, well, we've seen it also. We asked in hospitals, and uh, where was the bottleneck? Where did uh, the uh, surgeries have to be cancelled, etc.? And that was not correct. And they said nowhere at any time we had this situation. But this is something that the newspaper reader uh, could read about every day. It's a kind of brainwashing. And the success of the newspaper, this local newspaper, the Stadtzeitung, no, not your own, your other newspaper, uh, did they increase in population or? Yes, they did. Uh, it's really surprising for me. And I also look at other local newspapers. It's not small, 150,000 uh, uh, copies. And uh, anyway, um, uh, they don't always say, well, they, you can't prove it, really. I can also say. Uh, 10 million copies and uh, and printed and, and put it into uh, uh, the mailboxes, but it doesn't mean that they are being read. But the quality, in my opinion, has uh, decreased because it's not a balanced and impartial and uh, an open reporting. But that means also that uh, uh, everything is lost, really, in your opinion. And we have to wait um, how we can get out of this uh, uh, tricky situation. And that's why the people are also meeting here, because uh, uh, it's about becoming more attractive and uh, for 
many more people um, instead of having all uh, this same noise production. And uh, I think the local media are very important because we could uh, determine, we can see that these developments uh, don't happen if people can create their own lives, um, uh, you know, on a local level. And that makes them very strong and they know when they are being had and uh, and they have their own exchange and their resilience is much higher when you know where the information is coming from. It's the same everywhere and therefore a regional media uh, city newspaper is very important and uh, we also need to know what happens in the world of course where, because we have to decide whether we participate or not uh, the world is small everywhere and I lived in Berlin for 10 years and it's the whole you can have the whole world in a small town we have uh, readers who are reading who are living everywhere whether Hamburg Stuttgart or Berlin because I make uh, the local understandable and uh, and everybody knows the story from Überlingen of the 38 year old young man IT specialist and said uh, I go to Paraguay I can no longer stand the lockdown everybody knows it from their own city and uh, whether you come from Berlin or wherever. Everybody knows uh, something like that. We have a story of a doctor. It's about vaccination of children and the catastrophic uh, uh, results. Uh, they even had a fatality. So uh, this uh, person is a cardiologist. And um, we asked 10 doctors and we had one reply. So it seems to be a huge uh, taboo topic and uh, that we will anonymize her because uh, because she's afraid of being attacked and uh, and that's what we are fearing as well so therefore it's important what you say mr Burak. Um, um, you can break it down on the local level. Everything else is abstract. And you're also known on the local level. Everybody can speak to you. You said, uh, you know, there is a waste bin, but there isn't any, etc., etc. But uh, we also make mistakes and not intentionally. And then we correct them, of course, because uh, um, erring is human. And, uh, and so, you know, this local editor or the politic uh, chief of uh, uh, who would who has said uh, the hate mob is uh, um, acting, um, you know, if he said, I, I have to admit um, I made a mistake. I also had subscribed to a local paper and uh, uh, my friends always told me that uh, what they read most are the letters to the editor. And uh, it's very interesting to see what happens because it has to do with yourself. It has to do with the region. And he also shouldn't be blind against it. 
we are uh, have uh, we have steel defense the company in my area and when it's about war topics and the ceo gave me a statement i talked about uh, peace uh, scientists and uh, but also this ceo of steel defense uh, who said uh, safety create sustainability, but uh, something that, like this you can also read about in the local newspaper. I don't want to fall in the same trap uh, who just want to, like people who just want to be alternative. I think the uh, diversity of opinions means also that it doesn't have to agree with my own opinion, but you can make your own judgment. And that's what's important. I think that's very important that the facts uh, are on the table. You can have a look at it. And then we can also oppose, have opposing opinions. And there has to be a discussion culture. And you don't, uh, um, uh, you know, um, enrage each other. And uh, you have a human exchange. And then you can see which arguments are the most convincing. So that's what I, I always believed we are doing in Germany and on the world. And uh, I, myself, as a newspaper, daily newspaper journalist, we love our job and uh, we love it because it's so diverse, so controversial, because you get to know this woman today, tomorrow that man, and sometimes uh, you have a pre, you know, um, uh, pre-created concept and uh, and you have to give yourself the freedom to see things differently and say yes I've never seen it like this and and you have an exchange really I have had meetings where I thought it would be so boring and they were really interesting if you um, uh, join it and don't have a, a preformed uh, uh, opinion that's what makes life exciting and i don't know how it can happen how you can get so lost uh, if from you know the public uh, um, public media to a small local newspaper i think it's really remarkable i think we make an offering and uh, so that you can choose again and everyone can see for themselves and uh, it's very nice to have a media like this uh, um, and it's uh, relevant uh, it also um, when it comes to my observation. The regional newspapers are also being monopolized. They are being bought. And uh, I had a neighbor who had the job of buying newspapers for a big publisher. Or, and uh, yes, these are big publishing houses that uh, um, are buying smaller papers and uh, then everything is one at the end and uh, I can say for us really what's important for us therefore the market the core of the market uh, thing is is the, the social uh, other social issues. I think it's great if somebody would read it uh, who never reads it normally. Uh, we had an interview with a very um, well-known restaurateur. He's uh, very important in the city and he very clearly says what he thinks and he always uh, uh, was shouting 
after us when we um, passed this uh, um, restaurant on our Monday demos. And so I asked him, why are you so enraged? And he said that he had two cases in his uh, among his friends, uh, one man who couldn't leave his bed after the vaccination, and uh, and then he, he he said that he actually is uh, enraged about the lockdown measures, and he said you can't do anything with your protests. And uh, he was he's also a CDU member and uh, in the local council. So uh, the whole interview gave you the impression that it became very. Um, peaceful from the initial attacks that he had and uh, give you all a flight to Moscow and I said well I take it immediately because I've never been there so it's these old prejudices but when you let them speak and uh, when you um, uh, you know when you accept it and uh, are well-meaning uh, because you can talk about anything on a, you know, on a certain level. And maybe there are some people who don't read this newspaper, but then they find out that there's this interview with the, the restaurateur, then they start reading it. And we also talk about, uh, uh, you know, health issues, uh, you know, um, we don't just write about Corona, but also about local topics, uh, uh, bio farms, etc., etc., in order to turn people on who wouldn't really read it normally, but then they read other articles as well, and maybe something is uh, left. Uh, you know, with them from what you say and others. And I think this could be an additional catch, so to speak. And I think it's the right way. And I think it will go, it will develop in this direction. Absolutely, because you can see also that public uh, 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 television and radio is not really um, uh, popular at the moment, and uh, people have a lot of doubt uh, when it comes to these stories, and uh, there isn't only negative and, uh, and uh, you know, fear of uh, legal repercussions and so on. It can also uh, be shown that it's fun to be on this side and also be more satirical, be more humoristic. Uh, we also have to laugh out loud sometimes. You know, it's also part of it. Well, I am here in Vienna to attend the Congress, and when I hear Vienna Congress, then I always think about uh, the uh, saying the Congress is dancing. Are we dancing as well? Yeah, maybe tomorrow night. And uh, that was a historic event uh, in uh, history books. Uh, it's a saying which Congress it was. Uh, isn't it a film? I think I know the saying, but uh, I don't know where it's coming from. And uh, isn't it the film? Well, okay, now it will be answered in the chat by readers. So yes, I think it's very important because you can charge yourself, you can charge up your energy with these nice things and 
and gain power from it, gain force, because uh, the work is really, it, it drains you really, and everything is so fast. Once I've written the story, 35 new facts are uh, available, and uh, so it, you don't know when to end, really. And uh, at the beginning also, I sucked up all of these corona facts and researched, but uh, at the, in the meantime, I have seen that there is not a lot that's happening, really. There is a lot of uh, foam being produced and uh, pre-publications are being thrown around and uh, then a lot of uh, rubbish is being produced, really. And I have calmed down a little bit and uh, I believe that uh, uh, it's good to pick things that are important in the long term. And so uh, I'm not so much interested in the molecular level and I'm more interested in the societal level, how we can develop new forms of uh, living together, how, can, how we can improve life and make life uh, more beautiful. And uh, I had also a very nice experience on the weekday market, and we talked about the negative side now, and who accuse you of being right-wing and no longer journalists. But there's also a very nice side, and it's as equally important, and that's the side of where you are standing at the cash register, you don't know the person, and they uh, they tell you how good that you exist and we get people who are telling us they are happy because they thought they couldn't have a voice. And then on the weekday market, a very young woman approached me, 18 or 19 maybe, and she said, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to become a journalist. And then I no longer, I lost interest. And uh, now that I've seen you and I've read what you're writing, I want to be a journalist again, and that's great. When my thoughts on the train here, and uh, well, I thought uh, it's the first better way, better way media conference in Berlin, uh, in Vienna. Sorry, and uh, perhaps we can found an academy or many academies, and then um, can um, tell these young people that there is another journalism that really is worth doing and that's uh, fun doing. And for me, it's the most beautiful job in the world. And I don't want to, you know, uh, have people to um, uh, ruin it for me. And uh, so when this woman came to me, I thought, well, this is the future. She is the future. In 10 years, she will start where I will leave off. And uh, I think soon there will be media, perhaps also a certification for media that uh, uh, adhere to the press codex and perhaps also to an extended press codex and uh, that there is a, a, a a number of media that, uh, you know, as I said, they add here. And uh, if you don't, then you lose your certification because you can't just do what you want and uh, and uh, and attack people with things that uh, cannot be proved and, uh, and nothing will happen as a consequence. Just what I mentioned already this morning, the sausage from Mars, uh, animal farming, and that is biologically grown, organically grown cucumber, I mean, 
if it's labeled ecologically grown, it should really be such. I mean, we could create our own label. I mean, just as we're telling people there's too much sugar in, inside this, I mean, it's toxic. So we'd be able to say, in this media outlet, we have too much toxic content. I should, I'm supposed to warn you of this or try to look out for our label. And you know that you can be sure. I mean, that's an interesting idea. Or maybe it's allowed for someone to have a promotional platform for vaccination, for example. What does he represent then in that case, for example, in local newspaper, uh, as an example? And in truth, I mean, a journalist who has deeper insight and knowledge of the details in the background, and he asked, have to ask questions. And is it really like this? And then any mainstream media outlet might apply for this. I mean, they'd have to stick to this. I have another question. How is it regarding this autonomous management of the administration of journalists? I mean, the, the codex, uh, the ethic codex, is, ethical codex is the codex that's been set forth by the journalists themselves. It's not the po about the political level telling you what to write, I mean, or the economic sphere telling you what to write. I mean, it's the journalists themselves setting their own ethical rules about how and what to write. So they can live up to these uh, expectations that are being put into them by a society and they need this guideline to do the right thing and that's why they need to be independent to be able to do so they need their liberties and we'd have to take our guidance from that and that's a very important role and that's done by the journalists themselves i mean it's, it's thorny question because the question is now, it's just the same as it is for the laws. Since we always keep saying we do not need any new legislation if the legislation in place is properly applied. I mean, that would be the short version. If we have a press codex, if it is being properly applied, nothing can go possibly wrong, but everything went wrong. So now the question is, is anyone still trusting in media outlets referring back to this codex as they've been doing for the past three years in an unjustified manner or are we going to set up a new codex it's not about the codex it's about the institutions which refuse that codex being implemented yes but we face a situation where all these media outlets the mainstream media outlets we've been talking about all those in these media they keep insisting adamantly that they are working within the limits of this codex. They call themselves independent newspapers, public service broadcasters, and they, they, uh, they claim that they themselves are doing this independence of opinion, and they accuse us of uh, providing a platform for people saying, telling fake news, I mean, for example, writing wrong things. I mean, for example, when I write, Dr. Wodak has said, be careful with the vaccination, then I've written something wrong. And the question I asked this morning is, well, is anyone ever going to believe that again? And how do we remove that codex from those who are not entitled to possess it? Or should we say in that case, the codex was well-intentioned, but it is no longer executed and done in a good way. So if they cannot remove, I cannot remove it from them, I'd have to establish something new for, for us. 
We're not the only ones in this, this, this dilemma. I mean, the, the medical profession, the politicians are facing the same dilemma. Nobody trusts them any longer. And that's the question we're facing now. Can I do it now again in a way that it is that I might say now it, it's correct again? It has been burned just, just as the, the word we use in German, Querdenker. I mean, someone deviating from the mainstream opinion. It, it used to be a sign of intelligence, and now it's an insult, and they've taken words away from us. They have added an additional layer of meaning to these words. And then I said it this morning, liberty of the press is, is going to be alive when Julian Assange is going to leave prison a free man in our world and not in North Korea only. I mean, all this is happening. We So meaning that all these beautiful words that are written down somewhere no longer have any meaning if nobody sticks to them. So we can save ourselves the hassle to utter these words. Yeah, in fact, yes, basically saying, yes, any head of any broadcasting or public, um, who was that person who was fired, uh, the, the, the head of the public broadcast in Berlin, I mean, Schlesinger, what was her name? Every one of them, each and every one of them would face me and tell me right into the face, okay, we stick to that codex and you are the ones inventing crude theories. I mean, I think this, this question no, can be answered by no one. I think that this codex has been burned to a point that it is no longer recoverable, so, such as is the case also for the Medical Ethical Codex, the Nuremberg Codex. I demonstrated in in 68 or in that movement, I mean, we, we used to demonstrate again the, the Springer Press Institution. I mean, that was something between the East and the West, and the situation was totally different from what it is now. There was a broad movement where we we tried to 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 come up and then and then and, and, and attack the, the the abuse of the press and I wrote a song at the time which had the, had the title the tabloid built makes you stupid and it was easy to sing along and we used to play that in the bars and and nowadays it's it's the, the tabloid build has become at some moments critical and now I no longer uh, sing that song and I would like to add this this framing is not a new thing I mean that's important for you to know I first got acquainted with that six years ago personally speaking six years ago Alice Weidel from the German rightist party AFD she is our member of parliament for our constitution she, she was on the on the street, out on the street, with a flyer saying "Stop that gender nonsense." So I met her at a uh, an election campaign event that was organized by our media institution um, for all party candidates. And then I met her and I asked her, "How can you come up with such a slogan with your background, with your life story?" And she was very friendly and she said, "It needs a longer explanation." And we met and we, we set an appointment for interview. And that was in 2016 when the entire scene in Germany had decided in the media not to write anything about the AFD and, and to silence them. And I said, okay, that's absolutely the wrong approach. We can only describe them when we cover them. So back at the time, I told her, you, you, you're disclosing yourself. 
And in the end, then we only have to listen to them and we take note of what they've said. And then I met a very friendly, open-minded woman who gave an interview to me. It was quite a big interview and I came up with that. So I came up to the, so in these interviews, there are always these little info boxes where we would put us, okay, Dr. Vodak, five times specialist and such and such, and he studied there and there. So basic information about the person interviewed. So in this case, so in the, the, the affiliation with that party, and then she switched to another party and this explanation. So that had, was, uh, that's what I had come up with for her as well. She, she did her studies there and her dissertation there. And then the local editor-in-chief told me, no, we're not going to we're not going to accept that info box for her. We're going to write, she claims and she alleges and she says she's been studying there. And then that's never happened to me in my entire career. I mean, I, and I asked him, I mean, have you convinced? Have he, and he asked me, Mani, did, did you research if she had really done that? Did you go to her, to her home and check that she had this certificate on her wall beside her bed or something? I mean, I've never done that with anyone else. I, so it was a method back at the time with a very cheap trick, actually. And I, I told her, Alice Weidel, I told her that that I would never have that done to me and I've never accepted such a treatment. I mean, it was like just telling, and she didn't accept it, by the way. So if, as if I were to come up now to you and say, Dr. Vodak claims that he's a medical doctor, I mean, and that's like I invented my own biography and I wouldn't have wanted to be done to me. And that was the first moment when I started to um, pay attention to that. I mean, sometimes it doesn't do any 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 anything. It, it doesn't harm if you if you check up on some basic information. I mean, well, that's true. But I, what I wanted to express by telling you this story that it was the first and the only time. And at some point, Spiegel started to write about the and and their party members, and and then all the others followed suit. So maybe they would have to start to write an interview about Wolfgang Wodak and in his peers and then nobody else would have any more time to write about it. It would have been like like a hurricane and then and, and, and pe people been drawing in. But I think the other thing is a big business and they don't want to damage their own business. Well, but let's see how business is going to develop in the future. Well, yes, we'd all like to know. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for this very interesting talk. I think it was very interesting to see again how it is and how it might be, and I think I'm optimistic that there's going to be a positive development. It's a positive evolution. There's a lot of positive energy. Maybe the Congress here is going to dance later on. And it's extremely wonderful to have this energy of real people. I mean, it's, it's impressive. Without this deprivation phase during the lockdowns, we'd have never had realized how much it means to to to. To, to us all to to, to 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 stand in front of a very person in flesh and blood and 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 to come up to them to embrace them and it has given a lot of power and energy to people I mean to go out for a walk and see all those I mean there are all these wonderful people medical professionals journalists and many of us we can, can connect to each other we can create networks and we can take care that we do not make the same mistakes and that's something excellent for us as well you had the taxi back then and we were in this 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 this, this train I spent two hours in the public transport of Vienna before I arrived at the hotel so that's also an experience well but 
I'm, I think it's extremely important. I'm very grateful for being here, and I'm grateful to all the organizers, and to all of you. Also grateful to all those people from all over the world. And everywhere there are these powers, they cannot be stopped. It's an excellent uh, word to finish off with. So now we've come up to the end of our session. Just one further remark. I mean, we depend on support, and so you can support us now work on our website. We have the details. Thank you very much. And I think now we will move on to the even more relaxed part of the evening. And I want to wish all of you a very nice evening. And maybe we may dance later on, and we'll meet again tomorrow again. Thank you very much, and see you then.